Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast, Yeti Walks into Base Camp. We are your hosts. Oh, no. Sorry, I always say base camp. That's right. Let's restart Do you see that. my frown? <laughs> yeah. Uh, welcome to our podcast, Yeti. Walks into base camp. I am Yeti Legs. And I am base camp. And we are here today with our very special guest, Megan Dietrich. So Megan, first off, yeah. is one of my dear friends um, whom we met eight over eight years ago now in Israel. And we, uh, best friends since then, have con- stayed connected um, through our journey and our path. And she is a licensed uh, counselor or therapist, whichever you prefer, as well as coach. She's a trauma-informed coach. And she also is going to be leading us partially through the beginning of a mushroom time. A so, mushroom time. Yes. Um, and so she's going to t- kind of talk through that with us because I've never taken mushrooms. Felt like it was very appropriate for this podcast. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we're really excited you're here. I'm really excited to be here. And I was a part of your guys' trail journey, seeing you at one of the stops. And so it's fun to kind of step in and be a part of the process. And yes, we've talked a little bit about mushrooms beforehand. So we've not done, not going to see all of the prep before we take a microdose. We're not doing a full macro journey. This is just a microdose. Thanks for clarifying. Uh, yeah, <laughs> because microdose, very small amount, just, um, and in a chocolate, you know, you have capsules, you have the actual mushrooms, but we're trying it in chocolate today. And, you know, the sometimes you add a little bit of orange juice just to help stimulate the mushrooms. That's one thing that people do. I sometimes do it with microdosing, sometimes not. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is always super important and helpful is setting your intention and setting the intention that you want to experience and allowing the mushrooms to lead the way because each mushroom strain brings you down a different road. They all are different teachers in different ways. And so this strain is the golden teacher. And so I call her a she. I don't know if that's proper. Um, <laughs> I don't but... know. Is mushroom she or he? Do you I, know? I think a lot of things of nature are referred to in the feminine oh, tense. Like mother nature. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, so, yeah, with the Golden Teacher, that has just different effects uh, than maybe some other strains, and you're going to enjoy just some calming relaxation. It takes about 30 to 40 minutes for this chocolate to kind of come into effect. So as we get into some of the deep experiences, oh. they may mm. become a bit more fun on the podcast. Okay. okay. <laughs> Later, are our eyes going to dilate? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's different. I don't know with the micro, um, what like you'll specifically experience, but uh, because again, I think it will be oh. interesting. I may even set a timer to have us check in forty minutes in to see like, okay, sorry, how's to feel everybody it. feeling? Yeah. Sometimes a lot of times with a microdose, you just begin to drop into your body more. Okay, and so you're just going to begin to notice. Oh, I'm a bit more so present. More I'm yeah, more grounded. I feel more relaxed. Oh, tension is releasing. Again, each strain has a different effect. Other ones will make you um, be more creative, will get you into more of a flow state. Some will help you be more um, productive and help with clarity and performance. And so each strain, yeah, has a different effect and support to your system. I think this is an important time to list what our intentions are here. Yes. Yes. And before we do that, let's just say this is the drink of the choice. Yeah, this is the drink of the choice. So we got a beverage. We've got like three ounces of orange juice. (laughs) And and a chocolate 
The golden it's a chocolate teacher. truffle. The yeah. golden teacher chocolate truffle. It's very small, just like a little truffle. Yeah. Yeah, because it's going to be a very small dose with this being your first experience, <laughs> wanting it to be gentle, wanting it to be soothing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, setting your intention is really important. And so if you guys would like to share what your intentions are for today. Sure. Yeah. Uh, my intention is just to be more quiet because I always have a thousand things going on inside of my head. And so if this can help like quiet all the noise and help me focus and be more present... I mean, I still have to think about things that we're talking about in the episode, mm-hmm. but yeah, that would be kind of cool. And just to experience. So to be like really embodied and let the world kind of quiet down some. You said that in a much better way than I did. Yes. <laughs> I get paid the big bucks for that. I was going to say, she's so good at helping so people. Clarification yeah. reflection statement. There so that is. was me. Was that like an actual term in therapy or yeah. in counseling? It's like reflective like, listening and reflective statements. Yeah. That's amazing. Given the tips. Tips. Tips of the tricks. Um, Mine is, because I grew up in a very Christian world, um, the idea of microdosing or mushrooms is like a sin. Weed is a sin. It's all a gateway, you know, to Mm -hmm. drugs. And so it's a sin. And so I think just being able to experience this, like a freedom, a fun feeling, um, and... Because I, th- I think it's attached to this idea that, like, it's going to be bad mm. and I'm going to have a negative trip because of everything it's tied to for me. I think that's a big a big part. It's just wanting to, like, see the openness of this is a beautiful thing and mushrooms are a part of nature. They're, there's nothing yeah. wrong with them. And, um, yeah, and, and just be able to let go and enjoy um, would be nice. Yeah. yeah. And I have a feeling I might get deep too. I don't know. I, I have this feeling like it's going to bring out something in me on this in a mm. deeper philosophical way probably, but maybe. Yeah, yeah, and it is it is natural. We're not like over here dropping molly or acid or or Which whatever. It can also be effective yeah. in treating trauma, but <laughs> Wait, what? Those can also be effective tools with trauma healing. Really? I didn't know yeah. that. Can yeah. I, we just say quickly, um, so, so psychedelic therapy is a thing. Yeah. It is a thing that people are starting to do more and more. You've also experienced it. Can yeah. you t- talk into that? Are you okay with sharing yeah. a little bit about that? Yeah, there's a lot of research. And I personally also came from a Christian background. And so I was nervous. And so it took me about two years of researching, honestly, to know and understand the effects, the benefits to look at how it helps PTSD, because that's what I was working to heal. And yeah, about two years ago, I went and did my first macro journey with a coach um, on an individual basis and continued journeys ever since then. And it's been incredibly transformative for my nervous system, my physical health, because I had chronic illness. This Mm. was a game changer in my chronic illness um, journey and within my PTSD. And so it has helped a lot Mm -hmm. and it is something that I was very nervous and afraid of at first as well but my original intentions were funny enough to connect with God because they were all it was also very bad and I had some trauma with mushrooms and growing up because my brother grew them Mm. and it was a big thing in my family yeah there were a lot of drugs in addiction growing up Mm -hmm. and so this felt bad and wrong and that's why it took me two years to research and decide to do it yeah but um, yeah, I love that you're giving yourself permission today. Yeah. And I think that's what's also just really exciting to dive in. And that's part of my t- intention is to just have fun and 
be embodied in this moment and experience. I'm really working to just continue to experience joy and pleasure because that's something that for my body can be a little bit nerve wracking. Mm. And so I was gonna say here, I'm gonna have you scoot in some. Yeah, yeah. There we go. To talk a little bit, and then I'll go more this way with you. Yeah. So we'll be, mm, we'll be. We're getting cozy. We're getting cozy on the couch. I'll try not to just like the trail. Yeah. I'll try not to get too. uh, (laughs) Too touchy. Who knows? I might get all horny. (laughs) (laughs) We start talking about trail, and I get turned on because I'm like, oh, that's pretty great. So yeah, we on backpacker radio. I'm just like, they're you know, we're talking about sex. I'm a. Yeah. Anyway. Oh yeah. So that's something to mention. We did a an episode on Backpacker Radio most recently. It was yes. a Valentine's Day episode. Yes. Go and listen to it if you have not. Go check it out. I think it's quite informative. What was it? Episode two forty. I think Maybe. so. Hey, that's kind of well. I don't know two forty. I don't know why that. Anyway, sixty nine would have been a better number <laughs> for you guys. It yeah. would have been. But yeah. Um, so yeah, go check it out. It's gonna be awesome. Um, I think it's a very uh, we're very honest. open. We're yeah. very it's open honest. and yeah. honest, and yes. So if you want a very open, raw, honest, how does a couple operate on trail type of thing? Let's do it. Go Not listen to it. About. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, well, should we do? Were the you thing? guys ready? I'm yeah. so nervous. We just. <laughs> Well, again, we're th- we're thankful for where it's going to take us, and we trust the mm. we trust the mushroom and trust the guide. I like that. Partake of your golden teacher. Mmm, <laughs> tastes good. It's a chocolate truffle. It tastes just like a piece of chocolate. It literally mm-hmm. tastes like chocolate. You can slip this in a bowl of candy There's... and. <laughs> no, <one would> <laughs> I'd love to give this to my mother. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Sorry, mom, if you listen. Oh my gosh. So we've got like 40-ish roughly Mm, minutes. Drink your orange juice. Well, before we get into the meat of the episode, we should do our Cotton World downloads. That's Cotton World downloads. I always call it updates. Well, this is our our updates. So new (laughs) stuff that's been happening in our world. I think for me, nothing really new has been happening. Really just, this is Loba's world and we're all living in it. (laughs) Yes. And if you can't, you can't see her right now because she's on the floor laying down sleeping. Yes, it is Loba's world, and we're all living in it. And <laughs> we're she, trying to show her this is our world, and you live in it. But yeah, she's now between like ten and ten and a half months. She is, she's growing into her voice and her personality with us, and we are trying to get the disciplinary things happening. And she's she's giving us some pushback. But the the kind of funniest experience yeah. is that like she loves you, Wesley, mm-hmm. thinks he's the alpha. Even though she's seriously misguided. <laughs> I would say she's, she's accurate kidding. in that assessment. <laughs> but, I'm kidding. But, uh, well, you can pick her up. I can't. That's true. That's true. That equals alpha, right? Probably. But I guess. In the dog world. In the dog world. Yeah. But I will say that female huskies do have this weird thing. And I've known this for years. But they have a primal innate thing where they have to be close to the alpha for protection. It's this, I need to be the lead female alpha so that I can be protected against all harm. And so what's begun to happen is, is her and I have these whole competitive things happening and um, we'll try to kiss, Wesley and I will, and she comes straight in the middle or she'll Mm -hmm. just like start barking and then she'll 
jump on us in the middle of hugging and she'll try to separate us. And then he'll, he'll, you just keep it going. Like you'll let her stay on you and you start petting her and she'll look at me with these eyes because I'll separate, I'll separate and she'll look at me though. Like I got it. I got you. And so what's happening now is every time we take her on the leash, Wesley has the just a fine time with her. Like she's she's obeying, she's staying in one place, she's walking with him for the most part. Me? No, it's a terror. It's a holy terror. She is right, left, back. She's trying to trip me up. Like mm-hmm. I'm trying to pull her back to me. And she like keeps pushing forward. And it's this huge like race between who is female alpha right now, I feel. Yep, that that is kind of where we are. And I'm gonna fucking win. Have you have you have you witnessed this dynamic, Megan? You've been here with us a few days. Yeah, 100%. And even when we tested it out, you and Marie hugged. and Because we were seeing, would she get in between you guys? Mm-hmm. 100% saw that. And then we tested, when Marie and I hugged, would she get in between us? Nope. She just walked away and wasn't even phased. She, she didn't even care She that. walked by y'all. Yeah, yeah, she didn't even care. Yeah. It doesn't matter. She it's doesn't not the same dynamic. At all. So yes. change. So right now, I am trying to figure out how do I teach her I am female alpha. So we are still working through that. I feel like by six months, this is what Meg and I were saying, is mm-hmm. I feel like by the next six months, I feel like she's going to be settled in and she's going to be way different than she is right now. Yeah, I think so. I think she's really testing us and trying to see if we're going to give her up. Yeah, but whenever she continues to wake up every morning and oh. crawl into our bed like she does, she'll realize that she's going to stay. Yeah. Yeah, so she's here to stay for the long haul. She is. She's the most precious. I just... Marie and I have one picture of me being here. And (laughs) now I have about 30 or 50 photos of Loba. That is amazing. (laughs) It's pretty... She's so adorable. As it should be. She has so much personality. We brush her teeth every... It's so funny. We brush her teeth. She loves her teeth Mm. brushed. She like goes into the bathroom. It's poultry flavored enzymatic dog toothpaste. She's so excited about it. And last night, Wesley got into bed and I was, I just finished brushing my teeth. She was in the bathroom with me. I turn off the light, Megan. She stays in there. She stayed in there. Yeah. And you were going to take the night off of brushing. And we did. And we did. (laughs) And and then like two minutes later, she finally comes out going, Oh my goodness. I was like, holy shit, this dog yeah. has the whitest teeth, I think, of any dog. And the most love. Like, Aww. if your followers like poll and leave comments on the podcast, please leave comments of who actually brushes their dog's teeth. I'm very curious. I've grown up with dogs. Like and every this day. Is the first time I've ever seen it done. <laughs> but she, she loves it. She loves it. She, yeah. she, so base camp will say, assume the position. I say, assume the position. And she will get on her back. On her back. And I'll hold her face and her chin. And she'll cover and her I'll, eyes. And I'll cover her eyes and push her mouth back. And Wesley will, will brush, brush on. And she'll start like licking the air before the toothpaste ever even touches her <laughs> mouth. It's the funniest thing. It is really cute. We'll have to, you know what? We should put the video on our Instagram so people can see it. Yeah, yeah. we can do that. Yeah, go to our Instagram on Yeti Walks into Base Camp. Megan took a video of this the other night and it is hilarious. Yeah. yeah. That's a great plug in. We did create a um, an Instagram account for a yeah. podcast. The handle is just at Yeti Walks Into Base Camp. Yeah, this just happened. We've got all of like 26 followers. It's going to be a long transition to get folks to start following that as opposed to our The Ginger and the Joy, which has been like our our base 
kind of account, but our, whatever. Or base camp. Yeah, just keep uh, keep checking in to that Instagram page, and we'll just keep uploading all the new podcast stuff. Yeah. Um, other few updates. Ooh, I got a... Yeah, I got a seasonal job with the Forest Service this coming summer, so that'll be fun. It's in uh, Walden, Colorado. I'll be working in the timber department. Close to Steamboat. Close to Steamboat Springs, Colorado. So really, uh, I have to do some chainsaw training and um, maintaining and counting counting individuals in the forest. And Sounds we'll, like we'll a see perfect, what else we do. Sounds like a perfect job. I'll be out in the woods for three months. You'll so literally just be out there like with a chainsaw. Yeah. Such a man thing. What a man thing. I know. I'll be sure to take some flannel. You should. Yeah. I mean, look at this. He's getting paid to literally hike trails and cut up trees. Could be worse. Could be worse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that is all the updates that I have. What about you? I don't really have any updates. I don't think other than Megan's here. Yay. And I feel like my world has been Loba mm-hmm. and um, work mm-hmm. and... I mean, my Is shoulder's it? doing great. Mm. We did a... Oh, oh, I have an update. We did our first backpacking trip with Loba. Oh, yeah. And that was interesting. Um, it was really good for the most part. Mm-hmm. She was very... I think she's got some trauma somewhere. Well, from, obviously. Yeah, from like being tied up to trees or feeling like we're going to leave her. We tied her up to a tree because we don't trust her off leash yet. And we tied her up to a tree so that we could, you know... Make the tent, and then all Make of a sudden she, she build the tent. I pitch don't know. The what, pitch the tent, and all of a sudden she lost her ever loving fucking mind. Like she, she lost her mind and would not stop. Just like trying to pull herself off the tree. Like she was mm-hmm. like hurting her chest by doing it, and she wouldn't stop. And it was just so painful to hear. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my god, girl, we're not leaving you. What are you doing? Yeah. But she didn't know. And she did great in the tent. She slept the whole night. She she did great. I mean, she seemed to really love it and enjoy it. She well, was, talked about how she, like, burrowed herself in the snow as you guys were going and, like, leaping up and down. Oh, my gosh. In mm-hmm. the feet of yes, snow. She loves it. Yeah, the experience showed us that we need to start using Musher's wax on her feet. Yeah. Because she started to get clumps between her toes. That? Oh. It's this it, it's, it's like a wax they put on dog sled teams. Um, to help with the, it, it just helps yeah. with the snow accumulation. Wow. Yeah, she was yeah. getting clumps of snow in her paws, and she'd all of a sudden sit down, like, like trying to pull it out. She's like gnawing at her feet. Yeah, poor yeah. thing. So we definitely need to get that before our next one. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Any what, updates for you? Yeah, I'm in Colorado. This is yes. my welcome. I you know drove through and visited you guys before, but it's my first mm-hmm. real experience in Colorado, and. I'm working to get my counseling license in Colorado, so yes. that's a big awesome. update. I'm taking the exam this week. I'm just doing, I'm traveling again. I mm-hmm. I have lived a little bit different life than you guys in the last few years, and I was working to get my health back on track, and so to be able to travel again is a dream come true, and so Monumental. I've been, yeah, kind of all over the U.S., and when I get back to California, I will go to Joshua Tree and have some more time in the desert and just kind of see all the landscapes. I love just exploring that. So I think I have three days when I get home and then I go to Joshua Tree. Yeah. Oh, you have a great time. That'll be exciting. It's one of my favorite places. Yeah. Yeah. So iconic there. Yeah. But this is becoming a favorite place. We went to Twin Lakes today and it was stunning. Isn't it beautiful? And Colorado 
winter is very different than a Midwest winter. The sun and the warmth changes the game. It mm-hmm. felt like it was 60 degrees out there today. I took off layers. Yeah. yeah but it you're was... walking on snow. And so it's probably like 30. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's wonderful. I know. Yeah. That's Speaking, why we live here. I know. Speaking of Twin Lakes, that is where the CDT and CT go. So if you are planning on doing one of those hikes this year, you definitely need to stop into Twin Lakes. Um, they got some great inns. They've got great like food supply, read supply. Wesley can speak more into that because he did do the CT. and The read supply is legit. Stuff. Lots yeah. of beverages. Lots of beverages. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a hiker box and it was massive whenever I went last year for the Colorado Trail. Um, don't ever take bug spray out of a hiker's box though, because it's in there for a reason. I used one from a hiker box and it melted my shorts whenever I sprayed it. Literally melted his shorts. Legit. I don't know if it was like some weird oil base or something, but I sprayed it. The bottom of my shorts have like a little silicon strip. Well, the bug spray melted that. So I was, and they don't even have a public restroom inside the building. They only have pit toilets. So I was in a pit toilet using hand sanitizer and toilet paper to try and get the stuff off my leg. It was wonderful. It was not wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Well, is that all of our updates? I think so. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, this is the meat of our episode now. We are hopping back on the PCT train. It has been a while since we've covered any of our weeks along the PCT. I can't even tell you how many episodes it's been, but... Like 20? Yeah, it's been a lot. (laughs) 15. So we are going to cover two weeks in this episode, weeks five and six of our PCT 2022 hike. I think that this is just perfect because Megan actually... Comes into the timeline here um, towards the end of this episode. So you'll see how she came in clutch for us. Really just treated us well on the PCT. Like kings. And queens. Queens. I don't know why you would get anything else. Especially when you're hiking that many miles. It's true. It's true. You're like, you were like the best trail angel ever. And yet you're not even a trail angel. It was great. But we'll get into that. (laughs) Okay. Oh, yeah. Divine trail angels from non-trail angels. Oh, right. Great question. Because now what we're doing is we wanted to invite guests into this whole experience with us. Like, this is something new we're trying. Um, And we want to invite our friends to be able to experience it with us and we're telling them the story so they Mm. we've asked them to interrupt us with any questions they may have along the way because you know you're gonna think of something that we would never think to tell Mm -hmm. and i think that's important for people in the podcast because you're you might be asking a very similar question while you're listening to this so that's kind of the the thought behind it and so thank you for being a part of it and thank Mm -hmm. you for being one of our guests that is listening to us just tell our story yeah (laughs) So, um, should we get started? Yeah, let's do it. Let's let's jump in. Let's jump in to week five, and this is going to be starting off day twenty nine. And by the time we end this episode, we'll be through day forty two. Man, and I know that's I a know, jump. That's a huge jump. That's fast. a chunk. And can you tell me how many miles we did within that that time frame? Because I know we started trying to push a little more miles. Yeah. Do you want me to tell you both weeks, weeks? or one week at a time? Just um, both weeks combined. Yeah, so recorded. This is what we recorded in our Garmin watches. We used the Phoenix 7s. Um, for week five, I have 107.06 miles, which comes out to about 17.84 miles a day for that week. We only hiked six out of seven days for that week. So I just wanted to make that clear. And then for week six, uh, this is going to take us all the way into Hikertown, 
we hiked 95.58 recorded miles, and that was an average of 15.93 miles per day for six out of seven days. Whenever I say six out of seven, I just mean we took a zero. We always took a zero, it felt like. At the beginning, and then we stopped doing it towards the end. Yeah, once yeah. a week we take a zero, like day seven yeah. or something. Yeah. But okay. So, so this this episode starts us at Cajon Pass. Cajon Pass. Cajon Pass. Okay. From the campsite by the power plant. You slept by a power plant. We slept by a yes. power plant. Well, and that was a super was creepy area. Like? This was like. It was weird. It was weird, and I just will never forget that day because I feel like this whole two weeks was just very monumental in my brain of just things that happened. Mm -hmm. But I just remember we hiked that day and how many miles we did 18.65. Yeah. And if anybody's curious about the power plant, I can't remember the name of it, but the mile marker is 323.6 and that's going no bow. Wait, wait, wait. So, but this isn't Cajon Pass though. We hadn't done Cajon Pass yet. No, we get to Cajon Pass. We get to Cajon Pass the next day. day. This day. So we camped at the power plant the day before that? We camped at the power plant. We woke up at the power plant that morning and we got up early so that we could beat the desert heat. That's whenever we started to hike around this lake. I can't remember the name of the lake, but it's the lake where everybody was like, oh yeah, you can go there and you have cell service and you can order in pizza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, I was confused about the day before because I always like to stop at a zero so that we can continue. I was confused because the day we camped at the power plant... Wesley started getting a little loosey goosey. Um, I was fucking delirious. Which is why we were like, maybe we're just hiking. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is why I was like, maybe we just need to pitch the tent instead of going another six miles to to meet our friends because that means we're going to be doing like a twenty five mile like day. And the sun was starting to go down, and he starts quoting Davy Jones <laughs> from Pirates like, of the Caribbean, like literally for the next hour. He's quoting Davy Jones over and over again. And this is kind of a sign for me. I've learned is this is when he's starting to lose it. Is when he just starts quoting Davy Jones over. This and is over. when the tent needs yeah. to be pitched. Yeah. This is yeah. like Wesley <laughs> needs food. Yeah. Wesley yeah. needs food. Davy Jones and certain songs. Yeah. Yes. And uh, anyway, so we are like, okay, we need to just pitch the tent. And we pitch it at this weird ass looking, it was just a weird was it spot. An active power plant? Yes, it's active. So there did were... you feel different being around it? Because you had been on the trail for a while. Maybe. Not around a lot of things. And then to be near a power plant. I don't think so. Because there really okay. wasn't a lot of activity. Maybe a few vehicles. It was a hydroelectric plant. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because it was on the other side of, of the lake. Yes. But maybe that's why I felt weird that night, though. I felt weird. It just mm-hmm. felt like a weird spot. There were ants everywhere. So I thought we were going to like pitch in an ant pile. Mm. I just wasn't sure what was going she on. She didn't want to pitch in the grass because she thought there would be snakes. I thought there would be snakes. Yeah. yeah, it was it was a warm night. Anyway, so okay, now after that night, we wake up and we know that we have to get into Cajon Pass that day. Yeah, it's kind of like a town. I mean, it's technically like an establishment. There are a lot of chain restaurants and a few hotels yeah. in Cajon Pass, but it's not like city no it's just this little town that hikers go to there's a mcdonald's there everybody gets really excited about mcdonald's because it's like right off trail because at this point we've done how many miles total uh by the time we made it to cajon pass uh, about 341.9 so we've done 341 miles and and so mcdonald's is feeling real good about that point Mm -hmm. but i remember we got up really early that morning 
We got to the lake that all of our friends were at. Come to find out they didn't get pizza. It didn't work out. It did not. And we hiked by Dan, who was packing up his stuff. And then he actually started to hike with us. This is Dan K. I don't even know. Have we introduced this guy yet? Have we introduced Dan? I don't know. Rogue, uh, Dan Cakes, Peekaboo, whatever. Dan is a chemist, or was a chemist. Mm. And he's in his 30s, and he uses a black and red Osprey. And he asks great questions. That's what I remember about Dan. He asks great questions. He does. He does. But And yeah. he loves to jump in lakes butt-ass naked and take pictures of yes. his posterior. Yeah. He does. <laughs> he does. He does. <laughs> yeah, Dan's a cool dude. And so um, we hiked with Dan past all the other hikers that were down below, like camping off of one of the little little shores. Um, we ran into Decades. Oh, Decades. Who we have talked about on this podcast We have talked point. about Decades. Um, and then our other people were Jedi, Kappa, Prism, Shroom. Yeah, they were all at the beach. Yeah, they were at the beach. So, like, this is kind of the group that we actually revolved around the rest of the hike. Mm-hmm. It was it was crazy how we met them close to the beginning. Yeah. And was Deuces there, too? I feel like Deuces was there. I have no idea. Maybe he was with Optimus at that point. Anyway, so we've got Jedi, Kappa, Prism, Shroom, um, and Dan, who were all kind of hiking with at this point. And then we run back into decades because we lost him. We couldn't find him anywhere. Mm-hmm. And... And he had a Skippy peanut butter to give me because I had let him try some uh, some trail butter, like a tube of trail butter. So he traded me a tube of Skippy peanut butter, and that made my morning because <laughs> I did not have any. You, it's it's you, the little things that really matter out there, like the little gifts that you don't ever expect. Can I ask a question about that? Yeah. Because, and I'm going to ask before and after because I know we're on trail on the podcast right now, but mm-hmm. I also know you're living like you've been off trail for a little while as well. Mm-hmm. And so your food obviously changed a lot when you were on trail. Mm-hmm. How has that also like been seen in your life's post trail? If it has at all, like I know, like if do you appreciate yeah. the small things in unique ways or do you savor some specific flavors? Cause you didn't have them for a while. I'm just kind of curious. Mm. I think no, for me, I think what, what I have realized after finishing a long hike like that is I put less time into making meals. Mm. <laughs> and so I'll usually just... That's true. <laughs> I'll, I'll take on like a repetitive nature in the week and just make the same thing for dinners. But like maybe mix up one small thing in there because I know what I like and even just a small tweak, you know, makes it like a different meal the next day. That's a really good point. I think, yeah, that's a good thought. I, I mm-hmm. haven't thought about this, but I... Um, I definitely had more variety of food before the trail. Mm-hmm. And now I'm very consistent. Like, because on trail, you just like certain things and you stick with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just like those things because your body's craving them. I feel that way a lot. I just eat the same things over and over again. So the simplicity has kind of carried over yeah. into mm-hmm. life at post trail. That's a good, yeah. Yeah. Good, good, good thought. Yeah. And kind of to that, like, whenever we first came back, we're like, oh, we're going to be super minimalist. And now you can see we have stuff in here. So that has like tapered off a little bit over time, but we still don't want a lot. No. So yeah. it kind of goes along with the food concept as well. Simplicity is key. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, integrate because we talked about today, Marie and I, a little bit about integration of what you're experiencing on trail mm-hmm. and how that's integrated yeah. post trail life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, we did talk about that. So yeah. I may have some more of those questions. No. Please. Good so, questions. Yeah. Good. Okay, then since I'm interrupted you already, can I <laughs> yeah. interrupt you again? Of course. Yeah. You can keep interrupting us okay so when you were talking about your friend dan who likes to jump off butt naked into the water and Uh just live in life i feel like the trail 
elicits and invites a new level of freedom that maybe Mm -hmm. isn't in our everyday capitalistic culture. And so I'm curious how maybe also that freedom for you has Mm -hmm. overflown or if you saw that kind of expansion within yourself on the trail or kind of what that felt like. Ooh. We're going deep. I think I think for me the 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 shrooms are hidden. (laughs) (laughs) The the biggest thing that happened for me on the trail was not because and not to speak negatively of the experience, but we were like, go, 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 make miles, make miles before we can't finish the trail. Yeah. yeah. So it was very structured. It's my very, fault. <laughs> it, it felt like a job, oh, yeah. but we did start to let loose a little bit at the end. Okay. However, like personally, what, what I let go of was I gave even less fucks what people thought of me. Mm. I didn't care if people saw me filthy or if they thought I was smelly or if I was eating food with my hands versus like cutlery. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, I think well the shrooms are kicking in. I think <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna check in in about ten minutes. So oh okay, okay can we, let me pause real quick. What yeah. does it feel like for you guys in your body or within yourself? I just lost my train of thought in this okay. sentence. <laughs> okay, you're like, woo! I'm quieting down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm like, st- I'm like. <laughs> But yeah, so so definitely that on on the PCT. But even whenever I did the Colorado Trail by myself, like I didn't try and actively find lakes to jump in. Not that there were a whole lot. Yeah. But I was like out there on a mission, like oh, I'm gonna like get this done. I gotta finish. Gonna do big miles. See what my like what my body can do. Yeah, so, and you did. So either way, I didn't like. Well, it sounds like there's different purpose and experience. Yeah, everyone there has is. on the trail, and there you is. guys. Had a you, a specific purpose of miles and finishing the trail, yeah. Mm-hmm. And your freedom is going to look yeah. and be defined different as maybe Dan's freedom. Like Definitely. I think that's what's unique too. Definitely. And it's wild to me because Dan never broke his footpath, and the fucker would go do peak bagging. Like he would literally go off trail and go pe- like bag a peak uh-huh. and then come back, and he still finished the trail the same day as us. Oh my god! Like he. Yeah. It was okay, a monster. He's, he's in his 30s. He's in his 30s. Yeah. So, like, it was one of those things, but he had long legs, you know? So, you're like, fuck you, Dan. Those but, long leggers. Yeah. But, but, case in point, I, I get very upset at long leggers on the trail because I have mm-hmm. such short legs and it takes me a lot longer to hike than people with long legs who can go peak bag. Yeah. But, that's I don't a new know. term for a non hiker, peak long. bag. I, I'm oh. understanding it. But it's a new term. Yeah, peak bagging, bagging yeah. blue yeah. blazing, all the same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you, a, a lot of people do it on the CDT and CT as well because there's so many 14,000 foot mountains mm. that are off of the Colorado Trail Continental Divide sense. Trail that you can so just not? go and just, it's like two or three miles yeah, or six miles out of your way. So you're like, why not go do a 14 or 14 or 14 or so? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? You can't avoid the question. Wait, can you repeat the question? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was similar to what did freedom look like for you on the trail? Did it? Oh man, tell me that too. Yeah, did you did it? Did you experience expansion in unique ways on the trail? And how did the freedom yes. if so continuate into your life after? Yeah, actually, um, the Cajon Pass day, this day that we're on, I'm thinking about this. <laughs> what? Are you laughing at me? Yeah. Why? Let's just go. You're good. Okay. I'm thinking about we were on this ridge and we were overlooking where Cajon was. And it was just like this beautiful moment of 
just being fully integrated and just Mm -hmm. fully a part of nature and seeing it, how beautiful it was and how we were in this moment. I would have these moments on trail where I'd be like, wow, we're doing something wild. Mm -hmm. And this is such a stunning moment in time. We'll never come back to it. And everything felt so alive. And so, I don't know, kind of a synergy of everything, nature, us, the trail, it all just worked together. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'd have moments like that on the trail where I was just so fully in inside of the trail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was like there was no, and nothing could ever take anything away from that. Mm-hmm. It was this beautiful memory or these memories that would just will forever live in my mind. And I remember them. There's pockets of the trail where I just remember very specific moments or specific things that we experienced and I experienced. And so... I think, um, I, I do feel like I felt it at different times of the trail. I was definitely the instigator of our, our schedule (laughs) because I was like, we're not going to finish the trail if we don't do these miles. Like if, if we hadn't started picking up our miles in, you know, certain places, then we really wouldn't have finished the trail. If Mm -hmm. you think of it in that way, Mm -hmm. like we were hours from it shutting down. So, Mm yeah. Um, but at the same time, also having to figure out, well, what's more important? And now that I'm in a different place, and if we do another through hike, I want to enjoy it. I mm-hmm. don't want to, I don't, I probably won't even do another schedule again. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't want it to be about us finishing it, actually. I want mm-hmm. it to be about us living it. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like that's also changed how you approach your daily life. Yeah. And that's one way that trail has really impacted you. Yeah. And I feel like the mushrooms, personally, are also <laughs> kind of hitting. Cause I feel like I've like settled in, and it's like okay, things are slower, and it's just a bit more peaceful in some ways. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to discount the beauty of that stretch going into Cajon because I just skimmed over it. But whenever we were hiking in, yeah, you go underneath like some power lines. But the last two or three miles, that's what you're hiking. It's kind of like a dragon spine, and we were lucky enough to have an inversion. Oh, I mean, some of it was due so to smoke, cool. but mm. it was smoking cloud. We had an inversion, and you could see the like the spine of the trail above the cloud line. And so you're you're like following this, and there are crows all over the place, or ravens, and they're making it kind of like a weird, eerie, ethereal like approach into Cajon. And it was cool too, because. I mean, and we got into Cajon early. It was like, wasn't it like 10 or 11 a.m.? Uh, they had just transitioned from breakfast. So whatever, it was like 11. So we got up and did 18.65 miles and got into Cajon. Yeah, you guys like started 11. getting up at like 3 or 4 in the morning when you would send we me did reports. Get up, yeah, yeah. We did Yeah, that became consistent for you guys. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, because of the desert. But, and the um, yeah, makes yeah. sense. But Yeah, but that was so like, it was so great though because we got into town and we did decide to get a hotel that day. Um, and we got a subway. Like, that was actually a really nice time. And we saw the golden arches. <laughs> the wilderness is hard. But you know what makes it all worth it? McDonald's. <laughs> yes. Yeah, There's actually a McDonald's sign, like right by the PCT on, sign. By the trail. That's It funny. says McDonald's this way. And they were Everyone's salivating. Yeah. Yes. And, and they were walking on Route 66 right there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we got to walk on Route 66, which was wild because you're like, 
what? Like, this is Route 66. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I remember we got to McDonald's and Cuppa, our friend. So Cuppa is from the UK. Okay. And he is this like 20, sorry, Cuppa, if I get your age wrong. But I think he's like 24. He's a young lass, lad. Lad. You called him a lad. I'm sorry, Kappa. <laughs> he's a strapping young lad. He is. Yeah, anyway, but he's this fun, you know, just fun guy from the UK. Kappa. Kappa. He got named Kappa because he had tea, literally tea, every day. I love um, that. that he packed yeah. in and packed out. A Kappa Yorkshire. Yorkshire tea. tea. Um, and so he was just a fun human being who really loved to laugh, loved to have a good time. Uh-huh. And we find him at McDonald's and he is laying down um, outside. There's a on, patio. There's this little patio. He's laying down outside and he's like, Bleh. and he's eaten so much food <laughs> that he fell asleep. <laughs> he fell asleep out there for like an hour. Mate, I can't do it. I can't go on. Okay. <laughs> Like he'd hiked almost 400 miles, but he can't move after eating too much. It was the funniest shit. Couple was I so bet funny. the body's like, no. Yeah, it, God, was, it was pretty God good. Do it. God but yeah. do it. So then we like we got a hotel. I think we had sex that night. We got great. we got a hotel Probably. with with a bunch of uh, of the older hikers, Perm- yeah. permafrost decades, um, and then Achilles and Anna were there. They were all staying at the same hotel. That's when we met Permafrost. Yeah. Was it that? Wasn't it that day? Or no, it was, it was before, before it. It was before it. Okay, Permafrost. But we knew him. Yeah, he was like a. Sorry, Permafrost. If I get your age wrong. We're just gonna say Permafrost was a middle-aged hiker. Um, he had kind of a silver sable-colored hair. Yeah. And uh, he was he was extremely wise. Yes. Yes. I, I don't know. I don't know his track record for hiking before the PCT. Um, no. Or actually, I don't remember how he got his name. We need to like interview him so that we can learn this stuff. I feel like he told us, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but but he... anyways, what I remembered about Permafrost is that he loved Pro Meal Bars. And he had some certificate and it got him a huge discount on Pro Meals. And so he was just stocked on those things. Stocked. And he would say this thing all the time. And he would say... It beats another day in the office. And it sure as fuck does. Mm. Like whenever, you know, you're you're struggling or you're in pain or your body hurts, your mind's exhausted, mm-hmm. he would always say, well, you know, it beats another day in the office. Uh, like, look where we are. See? Yeah, Permafrost was just the man. Yeah, the man. Yeah. The man, bam. Um, so Cajon Pass. Yeah. So we uh, woke up the next day, packed a subway. Oh my god, that was my first exposure to a Del Taco. Oh yeah, we went to a Del Taco oh, the I've night never before. Experience it. Dude, it was oh, so amazing. It was yes. so cheap and we got so much food and we just gorged ourselves on Del Taco that night. It was wonderful. It was. It was, oh, it was so legit. I think that was the first time we'd bought more food than we could eat. I think you were putting little quesadillas in the tiny fridge in the hotel. <laughs> did I yeah. leave them there? Or did I take them with us? I think we took them with us. And then we took out Subways as well. It was yummy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'll just never forget this day because it was, imagine 20 miles of climbing. Consistent climb. Mm-mm. And it's just, you're literally just going up, 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 up forever. How do you feel about... These uh, constant ridge switchbacks. Like Evan living in some sick, twisted replay world where every time I turn the corner, it resets 15 minutes to the last corner. 
and you make no progress. It's like the world's worst nightmare. Pretty bad, huh? Yeah. This has been a, right here, see the way this trail just sat and then goes that way? We've been climbing for the last, uh, how many hours, babe? <laughs> I feel like I've been climbing since I was two years old. <laughs> All the way up. Actually, not, not quite. We're cl getting close, 1, though. 1,500 feet. We got now. seven more miles. And so I was mentally prepared for this day. I crushed it this day. <laughs> crushed it. That's subjective. I did. I was, I was doing so well. So well. And Wesley. I was sucking the hind tip. He was not. Yeah. I was not doing so hot. See, it, you, it normally was reversed. Mm. Mm. Normally it's me, like, cussing the world out. And yeah. him just being like, everything's fine. And I'm like, it's not fine. So you hike out of Cajon and you're, you hike like up and through the San Andreas fault line. Mm -hmm. And that is where we met um, Snot Rocket for the first time. Yeah, so Snot Rocket. That's a trail name. I know. I was like, that would have been a good one for me too. Apparently she's like a famous, or was, is, I don't know, a famous hiker. And we had no idea because we didn't really follow anyone before ever hiking. We didn't know who the famous people were. But you know, <laughs> but you know what stuck out about her is that she gave us, or she and her, her significant her SO, other, they gave us some liquid IV packets, and that is yeah. what stuck out. Aww. Yeah, like we were all at the water source together, and she's like, "Oh, do you guys have any electrolytes, or do you want some?" And we didn't have any, I don't think. And so they gave us like some of their liquid IV oh, packets. Oh, that's amazing! Yeah, the yeah. water cache in the middle of the San Andreas fault line. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was very hot that day. The liquid IV didn't do me jack all for this climb. <laughs> Nothing for him. Like, so this, I don't even know how to paint this picture, but imagine being completely exposed to the sun all day. There is no shade on this section at all for 20 miles and you're climbing all day. And so in my head, I was like, we just got to grind it out. Mm -hmm. Like, we just got to get it done mm -hmm. and grind it out. And so I did really well. I was just like, do, 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 just chugging I along the whole climb. Like, I learned I do really well on consistent climbs. I actually suffer on the straight up, the fuck up climbs that are like two miles versus the like 20 mile do, do, do's. Like, I love those. Oh, he does not like them. And you can speak into your experience because it was... Yeah, my experience was it was painful as fuck. <laughs> he, would literally, he would get like when we finally had a moment where we could lay like sit down. Like there was this one time where there was a cow gate or something. Oh, that was towards the end of it. I sat on the cow gate and I couldn't get off of it. He's like, oh, he's like bent over. And I'm like laughing and taking pictures of him and videos because it's so funny. How you feeling, baby? I blocked out a lot of that hike. Oh, I didn't. But I just remembered I did not want Snot Rocket and uh, Long John, to beat the us. other guy she was hiking with, to beat us. Well, that was so this was my insinuation. What do you, like use, yeah, in those hard days to keep you going. I, that's what I used for him. I'm like, babe, Re there's Snot Rocket. We gotta go. Repetitive music, like my playlist that like gets me crunk to hike. Music. And was it Jedi though? You didn't want Jedi to pass us. Remember? I didn't want Jedi to pass us, and he almost caught up with us at the end. So after we're at the, the very end of this, I turn around and I'm like half delirious and there's a black thing in the distance. And I'm like, is that a 
beetle? It's Jedi it on a like rock. It looks like a beetle, and it's Jedi on, like on a rock in just, a uh, in a Hawaiian shirt with like a, just a black posing. hat, and he's oh posing. Like, it's like is and this... there's no one there taking a picture of him. He's just it's posing. just his power pose, yeah, letting the universe know that he is here. <laughs> and Jedi to describe Jedi, he is this burly German man. Who's also young. He's got to be like 200, 215 of like raw muscle and hair. And he's, and maybe that's the stance of the Jedi. <laughs> like he's, that, he's letting the universe know. He just needed a, a cape. And oh, yeah. Jedi, yeah. Jedi and Kuppa would actually like hike a lot together because they laugh together a lot. It was very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jedi was just like do-do-doing all the time. We would find them pushing over dead trees. Like this is what they did on trail. Just... They were just shooting the shit all the time. Mm-hmm. And Snot Rocket and Long John did pass us. They did pass us. But then here comes Jedi. And we can, he had been, we'd been leapfrogging, I think, throughout the day. And then we see him on the rock. And he's like, I can't let Jedi pass us. And I'm like, well, then let's fucking go. <laughs> and, so, and we did get into camp. And I was like, look, babe, see, Jedi didn't pass us. He was like, no, no, was, he didn't. I was digging from a deep place that day. <laughs> you were really in bad shape. I don't I don't even think he was quoting Davy Jones. That he was, was not. He was far was too gone. Down. He was just he was too gritting his teeth. But, but camp was like a, like, a haven. A, like a breath of fresh air. Because some of the, the folks that we had been hiking with for a while were there, like Optimist, Roy G. Bill. Decades. Decades. They were all there. And just to give you a brief synopsis on the three of them. Optimist, um, if you ever meet him, you'll know his credentials within the first five minutes. <laughs> and we, he knows this. And he knows this. And we love the kid. Um, we named him Optimist Prime because he said he was a devoted optimist because of the struggles that he's gone through in his life. And yeah. Yeah. Um, we named him after he'd actually suffered a kind of an injury and we were like laughing and talking and hiking by where he was sitting to rest. And he's like, Oh, you, you kind of like helped me go on for the day. Inspired mm-hmm. me. Yeah. And Roy G, Roy G Biv, we also named her Roy G Biv acronym for red, orange, yellow, green, indigo, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause she's so colorful. Aww. She wore a lot of color on the trail. And she had a colorful personality. And Decades already had his name. He was a like a middle-aged, probably in his 50s hiker. And he was just a constant. He was a sensei. And He's he a was, sensei, He literally. was like a dad figure to us on the yeah. trail. Aww. He he reminded me of my dad. Like, he sounded just like my dad's side of the family, the way he talked. And it was a soothing balm. It was just so beautiful to get to know him. And, mm-hmm. and the reason he was named Decades is because it took him decades to do the trail mm-hmm. um, and he was trying to finish the trail but yeah. we met Optimus and Roy G the first day of the trail so we've been leapfrogging with them for weeks now so and you guys maybe have already covered this but what who decides who names gives the names on trail you just can't name yourself okay yeah yeah someone else has to name you and you can receive it or not okay yeah so could you have multiple names along the trail well, sometimes people will take fate. up a new name okay. on a different trail. Okay. Um, but a lot of folks just stick with the same one they get on their first through hike. Okay. Yeah. It all depends. Yeah. Some people, yeah. Most people stick with the name they're given, unlike Dan, <laughs> who was offered Peekaboo, Rogue, which is a peek-a-boo. great name. Peekaboo is such a good one because it was Peekbagger. And he'd literally just disappear. We'd all be hiking with him and be like, all right, guys, and I'll see he, you later. And then he would pop back up and be like, peekaboo. Like, he would pop That's back awesome. up in town. We'd be like, Dan, when did you pass us? Like, 
What? Uh-huh. It's like he was a ghost on trail. It's so funny. And then he was named Dan Cakes because he put a pancake on his face and cut eye holes out of it. And then he was named Rogue and that stuck. And now I think he goes by Cookie Monster from the Appalachian Trail. Yeah, so he just... Identity crises, Dan. Identity crises. <laughs> um, can I check in with you guys yes. and see how are you feeling with your microdose? Lightheaded. Okay. Focused. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. How are you feeling? Very. I'm gonna keep yawning. Not that I'm bored, but because I'm very. It's are you very relaxed. Good. Mm. No, just very relaxed. Just like. Yeah. Interesting. Swaying, ready to dance. <laughs> it's like I've got a lovely buzz, but I. Yeah. I don't have the haziness yeah. from drinking. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like a buzz. I like it. The golden teacher. Te- teacher. Yeah, golden teacher. But sometimes, like, if you, like, sit still with it, too, and not... Like, if you sit for, like, 20 seconds right now and just kind of see what you're feeling, what would your body want to do? Like, just in quiet and just kind of Hmm. notice. Hmm. I tend, with golden teachers, to feel really connected to nature. Mm -hmm. With all of them, I feel connected. But with that one, Mm -hmm. I always get really connected to trees. Because I did one macro dose with Golden Teachers, and they just danced with me. <laughs> and then the last time I used, I did a micro dose with Golden Teachers, I just was watching a tree and crying about how disconnected we are from Mother Earth and the world. And nature. And, um, Dude. But this one, it's funny, because when we just sat there, I was like, I just want to sit and sway like a tree. Like, <laughs> there's something about trees and Golden Teachers for me. That's it's, funny. Huh. Interesting. What if they're connected to the trees? That, that type of mushroom. Like if they cut, they grow on trees or something, it'd be know. interesting. I feel like heavy, not like a bad heavy, but mm-hmm. like like a like a warm like a weighted blanket. blanket. Yeah, weighted blanket, and it's like moving through me like chocolate or like a mm-hmm. like honey. It's, mm-hmm. It feels very chill. Honey butter. Honey butter, <laughs> baby. It's <laughs> an inside joke. His voice sounded like honey butter the first time I heard it. Is what I told him. Aww. It's like your voice sounds like honey butter. That's what she said. Honey butter. Oh. I'm gonna put some butter on that. Oh, baby. Oh. Butter my biscuit. Oh. Oh. We need to go in the room. (laughs) I'll take love outside. (laughs) What were we talking about? Oh, we, it was a natural oh, transition point. You were talking about campsite and getting there after the shit day. Yeah. It was amazing. And it was Optimus' birthday. It was Optimus' birthday. And we, we like, our, our tent was so big. And so um, Optimus, you know, we were like, okay, Optimus, you can come hang out with us since it's your birthday in our tent. And he brought his little cupcake. That Fucker left chocolate inside of our tent. Yeah. Because Roy G had given him some, like, a cupcake and then some chocolate or something. Anyway, so he's eating it in our tent and like we see crumbs. <laughs> like and we're like, Are there are crumbs in our tent. Well, he's like sitting at, at the foot of the tent and we're just all talking for like a good 30, 45 yeah, minutes. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice to be able to see him and spend time with him on his birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Celebrating yeah. him turning the ripe old age of what, like 20 something. 20 something. So all these people were so young, normally no, normally super young or older. Like you hardly ever met anyone in their thirties. It was rare to meet 
that many people in their 30s. I feel like it's getting bigger for people in their 30s to do it. But I, I do think that by your 30s, you either have kids or you're settled into a career or like yeah. doing stuff. And so it was rare to find that. It was normally people in their 20s. They were out of, they just got out of college. They're about to go to their master's or it was people that had just retired. Mm-hmm. They say that youth is wasted on the young, but it was our unspoken mission on the PCT to educate everyone younger than us. Well, we would try. We educate would, on what? We would just try and te- like teach them like, hey. Like wear sunscreen? Wear sunscreen. Enjoy your 20s. Don't focus on your job. Like stuff like that. Yeah. Who and knows if any of it stuck, but. I feel. I but we tried, damn it. We tried. We tried. So that was a really lovely night. And then the next morning we headed into Wrightwood. Mm-hmm. So it was really exciting because Cajon, um, we were going to be taking a zero in Wrightwood. And so that was exciting to be like, okay, we're so close to town. Mm-hmm. So we did like... It was 7.68 miles. Well, it is day 31. And yesterday was Optimus Prime's and Deuce's birthday. Happy birthday. But we are heading into Wrightwood now. About five more miles left. Sweet hookup with a trail angel. And look at this view behind us. We're around mile, what, 360? I don't know. 360 or so. We're gonna get into Wrightwood, resupply, take a zero. Gonna hit the trail hard again. So some brief trail terminology. A Nero is whenever you do, in our definition, we do less than 10 miles into a town. That's a Nero. A hero is whenever you do, basically you hike into a town, you do whatever you need to, and you hike back out the same day. And you still get about 10 miles. I've never, wait, did we ever do that on the trail? Uh, nope. We did it on the, the Tour de Mont Blanc. I thought we did do it on trail. Anyway, we can talk about it, but yeah. oopsie. And then a zero is just not hiking at all. It's just sitting on your ass, eating whatever you want, eating food, taking showers, beer, drinking beer, having sex, taking a zero day of no miles. Nothing. So that's the terminology. So we took a Nero into Wrightwood. And Wrightwood was such a cute little like mountain western vibe town. It was cute. It was. Yeah. I remember we spent most of our time at the brewery. Yeah, we spent a lot of time at the brewery. Literally like... Most of our day was spent at the brewery. We did get an Airbnb, and it was a really lovely Airbnb. Mm-hmm. But most of our time was spent at the brewery drinking. Sweet women did our laundry and hung it out to dry for yeah. us. Yeah. The small things in life. Mm-hmm. That mattered, too. That and th- mattered. And this is where I had jacked up my, my backpack. Hyperlite was kind enough to send me a loaner to use. Oh, wow. Until yeah. I could send the backpack from Wrightwood back to them and let them repair it. So yeah. I was doing a lot of like logistics with that because our Airbnb was like outside of town. So I yeah. walk to the post office back and forth yeah, and do that kind of thing. But the zero the next day that we took there, I think we were at the brewery most of the day after eating breakfast. And that was one of your big regrets was staying at the brewery too long. Huge regret because we didn't spend time resting and like getting uh, to like be together or connect. And, and enjoying the Airbnb that we paid Enjoying the Airbnb for. that we paid for. It was for. so cute. It was so cute and we paid for it. It was expensive. And I also need to mention that this was the official nighting place of Optimist Prime. Toma. Okay. 
<laughs> Today is a very belated nighting. However, your trail name henceforth is Optimistic Prime. Do you accept this name? I accept. On three strokes, you will rise as Optimus Prime. One. Two. Very close to Transformer. Yes. Rise as Optimus Prime! Okay, now I need a beer. I was like, damn it, like the day goes away and we're like, no, it's already like dark. It's getting dark and... Mm -hmm. Did you ever yeah. pay for a cab or like anything like that? Or were you always just right in towns? Mm, that's a great question. We would do Ubers every once in a while, but Very usually it's rare. just it's just hitches and trail angels. Hitches was yeah. normally or trail angels, yeah, it was normally the thing. Mm -hmm. So for this one specifically, the person who owned the Airbnb, they um like picked somebody picked us up for, for that. Yeah. So we were able to we never really had a hard time with rides. It was not a big well, just, deal for us. It was just even curious about yeah. how much of a transition, because when you're in, again, post-trail life, you're in a car almost every day. Yeah. And to then have it be like a luxury or very minimal, like that would just be a very different experience from someone. Mm. I feel like that's been my existence ever since we got back, because we've only had one car and she commutes to Denver. And the jobs I've had, I can either walk to or now with school I can walk to. Okay. So, I mean, I'll, I use public transport every once in a while, but usually it's just all on foot or I just stay here. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of nice to not have. I'm a person who doesn't like a whole lot of options and a car gives me too many options. So to be able to, I say to be able, to be limited, I don't know, it's kind of nice sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm going to ask a question later because it, that kind of brings up to have a lot of options and not a lot of options. Again, coming off trail, I feel like it would be overstimulating and overwhelming the amount of options that you have because yeah. you've lived a very simplistic, even not having to choose what you wear. Mm -hmm. Like the mental fatigue afterwards. Huge. What was that experience like? How long do you feel like it took you to transition? Still haven't. Still haven't. And we haven't really gone back into a big town scene. Mm -hmm. we we finished we stayed with family we didn't have a vehicle so we just kind of stayed with them and then we went to Mexico and we didn't really speak Spanish well so our options were very limited mm -hmm. and then we went to France and then we hiked a straight trail limited again and then the most options we probably had were in Italy because the language barrier wasn't there so much at our fingertips and then since coming back we've been in small mountain towns and Breckenridge is the biggest place that we've been so far. Well, except for Denver. I mean, I have to go into Denver. You have to go in for work, yeah. yeah. But I don't I don't like it. We don't live there though, for a good reason. I, yeah, yeah, I despise it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't that's a strong word, but I yeah, it's not it's ta it's more taxing. It's yeah, the mental energy like you were saying. Yeah, I have never gotten it back. I feel like yeah, it's it's very draining. Mm -hmm. Um to be in this like just fast-paced world mm -hmm. and to try to figure out how to like live in it is very hard mm -hmm. and there's so yeah. much stuff that people care about that just is not important yeah mm -hmm. yeah you know that feeling like whenever you're super 
what's a good way to put it? Like, like you're in a space of like high anxiety and you've got like one, one focus and the focus is like, what is that? It's a trap. Oh man, I hear that well. (laughs) But anyway, so you're you're in a space and like the only mission is like to survive or to make this one thing happen. And you get like this tunnel vision and you realize like in that moment, like the only thing that's important is staying alive and making sure that this one thing happens. Yeah, that I don't slip and fall off of this massive cliff in ice and snow. Yeah, or or (laughs) stuff like that. And so the likes on social media or what people think about you, that shit doesn't really matter. No. So much. Or like, I don't know, when we got back, people, you know, they, they would just talk about things that you're like, oh, I forgot about this. Mm-hmm. And, or like about work and politics, politics and religion. And mm-hmm. you're just like, we could have died out there many times. And mm-hmm. this was never what we were thinking about. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it's, it is interesting how that shifts, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it sounds like it redefined and solidified some of your values. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty cool to have that happen in the beginning of your marriage, too. Yeah, I, I like, think it was. Yeah, yes. like that's like a really cool, mm-hmm. special experience. You start with a smaller foundation and you can build up if you want to, mm-hmm. but yeah. not having every option ever from like, Denver suburbia or big town whatever yeah I don't know I feel like that would just muddy the waters too much there is so much sound in do you hear someone singing is it just okay I know it's not just me because y'all said is this the shrooms that's what I was wondering (laughs) this is hilarious also I was thinking that it's okay if this if this episode goes a different way because I feel like you have such good questions about mm-hmm. trail and post trail <laughs> that I'm wondering if we kind of just finish up at Wrightwood and if you have any other questions like do we talk about that? Yeah, I mean I, I don't think, know. I think I just, we just go where the podcast is going. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz you're asking so many good questions and I'm like, "Oh, this is actually really valuable for a lot of people." Well, yeah, I think the post the post trail and integration. Like I've, mm-hmm. I've personally been an expat, lived overseas. The integration and assimilation back to the U.S. or your home country is really challenging. There's even a unique experience of being in the chronic illness world and reintegrating into. I don't even just reintegrating, but figuring out what you bring into the world. Because I feel like a lot of, not just hikers, but I feel like a lot of people are deciding what is valuable to them and redefining the pace of life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like the pace of life for you guys really changed on trail and has consistently, you've consistently held it. I don't think everyone has that capacity or capability mm-hmm. or maybe doesn't hold that value too. Like I think it's everyone has a mm-hmm. different experience, but you've, you've held that value as a really strong one. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think it's easier to maintain it like being a couple Instead of just being a, like a solo person. Because I don't know. I'm just speaking for myself. But whenever I was single, I was more easily swayed in certain directions. Or more likely to conform to like, I don't know, I guess the cotton world. If we, if I had just finished a hike and went back to like normal life. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But we still kind of have our own created bubble that we're carrying between us at least. Yeah, your culture. You created a culture we together. We did create a culture together. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's a good way of saying it. I've never thought about that. Mm-hmm. Mushrooms. I know. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just in this like. I'm almost like, should we just pass it around so that 
I'm really just wondering if my little chocolate was enough. My little chocolate was enough to what? Was enough to have the desired effect or something? I don't know. Because I still kind of feel like myself. Yeah. 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 With a microdose, it's just going to be very, like, subtle. Very subtle? Okay. Yeah. It's going to be very subtle. And and I think sometimes we can stay up here. And that's mm-hmm. why it's, like, taking... Sometimes just putting on music and, like, checking in and getting in the body. Oh. Feeling the weight of the body as well. Because you can okay. stay up here and it can still be like, oh, I don't feel anything. Like, you can cut it off. Uh-huh. I feel like you can cut off almost any... Less a macro a macro dose you cannot cut off. It's like a full okay. <laughs> a macro dose there will be visual, yeah. Okay. Things okay. there will be, it will be a very different experience where you are not in a like consciously fully like alert state. You're uh-huh. alert, but um, like what beast? Mode you're in an altered thing. state. Okay. Okay. Um, but with microdose, you're just gonna feel good, but also. Because a lot of moms, a lot of people are microdosing more um, just in their daily life. Really? But, yeah. Okay. That's a whole... Another thing. Yeah. Moms mm. Who Microdose is on Instagram. Moms Who Microdose. M-W-M. But, yeah, so you can kind of stay up here or, like, melt into it as well. There's just I'm melting. Different... You can see that. I'm melting. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. No. Uh, we discuss. Oh, right, with zeros. Yeah, go back to your. I mean, we keep going. It's just that you had some good questions, and I'm like, huh? Should this become more about like the experience we're having in trail and post trail? If you have that's kind a lot of a of lot questions. of the questions that I've asked. Yeah, and so I'm almost like, do we just end it at Wrightwood for now, and that's okay, and then keep talking into this because I know this is very valuable for a lot of our listeners. Or you can sprinkle it too. Or we can. We can sprinkle. Okay. It. Sprinkle. Yeah, we can sprinkle. You still got the... The, the itchy itch. The sniffle sniff. I swear I've got a fur fur baby up there. Maybe. In my nose. A fur baby in there. It's like in one spot. It pokes. You remember Balden Powell? Baden Powell. Balden Powell. I kept calling it Balden. That's after we left Wrightwood. We yes. had to go and hike Baden Powell the next day. With all sweet deuces. I mean, uh, decades. And he, so Decades had taken a pretty serious fall on some snow. And he was having some trauma because Baden-Powell, the whole climb up, was patchy with slick and sloshy snow. Day 33. I don't know if you've noticed, but it's a little bit of snow. A little bit. Starts about mile 375.8 or so. Up until then, it's just a little patchy. But here... It's a lot of patchy. Anyways, we're gonna climb the sucker. So he was taking his time on it, but I'm glad that we were hiking with him just in case mm-hmm. something were to happen. Yeah, and it was pretty. Um, I'm trying to think. Like it, there was it was pretty snow covered, and but there was like somebody had carved away. Whoever went first on the PCT in 2022 did not have any snow experience. Because they'd go straight the fuck up. They'd go in very dangerous areas where it would be like rocks. Yes. So then do you follow those trails or do you create your own switchbacks? Both. We normally follow them because to create them is worse and harder and a lot of time. Because you have to pack it all down. Mm -hmm. And they were already packed down. But for Baden-Powell, it went straight up the the climb. 
versus yeah, switchbacks. You know, and I wonder if B Lord was B Lord. I think it was B Lord and his his. And he's from Colorado. Yeah, but they also are from Denver. I don't think they do a lot of winter. Well, I don't know him, but I. I don't think they did mm. do a lot of winter camping and hiking because when I mentioned, remember when we first met them. I said something about, or he he was like, well, you guys live in the mountains, so you have way yeah. more experience than we do in the snow. Huh. We won't use B-Lord's trail name. But no, but his, we his can name it far out. out was B-Lord. So did you curse their names as you walked up? We didn't know it was them until like the end of the trail. Yeah. No, it was, it was more like, what the fuck were they thinking <laughs> like, whenever they who, made this? Oh, I definitely cursed whoever I thought. Like, I was like... Who the fuck created this trail? Mm-hmm. And then I, we would always shake our heads and be like, clearly. And then once we got in the Sierras, then we were like, dear God, these people didn't know how to create a trail in snow. <laughs> mm-hmm. They would just create it in rocks in very scary places. <laughs> I think the one that sticks out to me is the the little path going down in the Crabtree Meadows. Remember? Yes, o- everybody was drowning in it. Everybody was drowning. An old lady didn't have a whole lot of snow experience. So Candy Moonbeam... Made her own switchback path up, for her up to old lady to get her, and and Optimus got stuck in it. Remember? Did he? He got stuck. But he always got stuck in the snow. He, Optimus is like sweet Optimus. He's he's like probably a hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty pound kid who like kept getting skinnier as we hiked, and and he's f- five four, and so he would like s- end up in his chest like in snow. <laughs> Mm-hmm. He would always find himself in these ridiculous mm-hmm. moments. But anyway, so um, Baden-Powell. After we got to the top and we're, we're trying to find our way, like the destination is, it's called Little Jimmy Campground. Yeah. But the path there is like all the heck over the place. It's like everywhere. There are boot packs all over. You can't see the trail really. It's all just like sloshy. Yeah. And, and this is a, a tip of advice I would give people who are going to be doing any trail this year where there's snow don't follow the boot pack actually all the time make sure you're looking at your trail map and you're actually going the right way because sometimes somebody may have gone the wrong way and then they turn a different way and they it leads you into a really sketchy spot or like we did with deuces but yeah you just really shouldn't follow the boot path Unless you know it's going to where you're going. Yeah, I would say keep keep a map out and just know that you're on the path of the trail. Because, they, I mean, they could have deviated just a few feet and that could be like a little boulder field. And that could really mess you up. Yeah. But at least if you're following the red line and far out, you know that there is a dirt path underneath you. Yeah, and so that's where I would say pull it up. And if there is no boot pack, then create your own boot pack. Because mm-hmm. you know, well, I know I'm going the right way, at least. <laughs> Well, so, I, I would say that lightly. Just take it all with a grain of salt and just kind of know your, your skill set. Yes, and know your surroundings too. Yeah. Because, well, okay, I'm going to then retract what I said. Because if you are in the Sierras or you're in Colorado on the CDT and it's still snow, like six, eight, six to eight feet of snow outside, mm-hmm. you definitely want to know your surroundings. If there's mm-hmm. avalanches, like avalanche risk, so the trail may go straight through an avalanche. I mean, you've got to take a detour and you've got to go into the, um, into a different area or go up on the ridge and climb up and then take it and then go back down. You don't ever want to get stuck underneath in a gully where there's potentially avalanche risk because there could be a backcountry skier or a snowshoer that is taking it and they trigger something and you're dead. So Mm -hmm. 
Okay, my questions I see are very much therapist coach oriented because I'm like listening to you guys, I think from a different way, but I'm like, okay, so how did the trail um, teach you and strengthen? Because it sounds like you have to learn to really trust yourself Mm -hmm. and trust your intuition. How did you guys see that? So I know I'm not like just asking surface level questions, but how did you see your self-trust and your self-intuition grow through your trail time? I got way more confident. I was very scared um, mm-hmm. through the trail. Like like later in the Sierras, whenever I, everything was melting and the water crossings were high, she would get I, really intimidated. I was really scared. I remember crying in Yosemite with my sister about it because I'm like, I don't want to go back out there right now because to give a to paint a picture of you know the water, it's rapids. Mm-hmm. You're literally crossing rivers of rapids. And if you get swept under, you're going down it with mm-hmm. it. And we had to cross so many rapids, and we got it right when the thaw started. And it, it happened early that season. It wasn't like we were trying <laughs> to, to catch it. Um, but it's what happened is we, we ended up, you know, the temperatures started getting really intense midway through the Sierras. And we're coming across these crossings, these water crossings, and they're just... They're so intense. Mm. I mean, they're like class four rapids and they're not supposed to be like that. Like we're crossing a waterfall and you read in the comments from the year before in July and they're like, nothing's here except for like a trickle. Oh, wow. So it was just this weird having to just almost understand that we're literally in the middle of bumfuck nowhere. We can't turn around because we're going to be backtracking five days to hike. We're three days from town and we only have three days of food left. Mm -hmm. So we can't turn around or we have to SOS out. And why don't, why would we SOS out when we're not injured? So you just have to go into this space in yourself and go, okay, let's just, we got, we have to do this. And, um, and I had many emotional breakdowns in that time on trail, but it definitely created the space in me where it's like the more I did it, the more confident I became. And so mm-hmm. now when we do trails and there's water crossings, I'm just like, okay, burr, 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 like cop the rocks or climb the tree. And there was another thing that scared me was walking across the big tree trunks in these water crossings. Because sometimes we'd have to, they were so dangerous that we'd just have to find a log that was all the way across the river and climb pretty high up and I'm I'm scared of heights and I'm like if I fall I'm going in mm-hmm. and that's gonna hurt mm-hmm. and so that was really scary but you know just taking your time and realizing like okay there's a risk here in everything that you were doing um I don't know it did gain my confidence by the end I was just like oh great another big river crossing like okay mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know Does that answer your question? Yeah. And it speaks to the, like, brain retraining that you did along the way, the resilience training that essentially you were doing in your everyday life on trail. Mm -hmm. So. I think it might have been the opposite for me. Like, I didn't have any concerns going in. I was just confident. And then we got to the Sierras, and I was... I, I did a stupid thing, and I just did a, a stream crossing barefoot. And I, just, oh, I, wow. I, I knew better. I knew better. And Shouldn't have done it. I broke one of my toes. He broke it. Yeah, he broke a toe. Okay, so you broke a toe and continued, like, walking? Yeah. Yes. Yeah? Yes. 
Yes. A lot of ibuprofen. <laughs> and it turned purple, blue, oh red. Yeah, I don't think it was like a major break. And I would be like, babe, we need to get that checked out. He's like, oh, I'm fine. And he just like wrapped it to his other toe. Yeah. I was like. Oh. It didn't start feeling right until months after we'd already gotten back here. Oh, my God. Like back yeah. here. Like back to yeah. Now I'm good, yeah. But like, yeah. That we, was... We'd be running. I'm like, oh, there's that little achy toe again. <laughs> that achy toe. <laughs> yeah. It was my middle toe. So it wasn't like my the big, big toe, the yeah. stabilizer. Yeah. Dude. Yeah, so that taught me to practice more caution afterwards. Okay. Yeah. Oh, no. Is this... Sorry, I'm reading his notes. Oh, boy. This was that day. Mm-hmm. Wait, we, we did we meet Anna and Achilles that night at Little Jimmy? That was the night we met them? Uh, that was the next day, actually. We met them the next day? Yeah. Anna so, and Achilles were fucking hilarious. Yeah. So, so we finally do get to Little Jimmy campground that night after... Navigating our way through the the Baden Powell wilderness, a lot of people don't realize this, but the desert has a lot of snow in it. A lot of snow because you're hiking up on these higher peninsular ranges, and there is snow out there. There's snow in the San Jacintos. There's snow around Baden Powell and the Bernardinos. Like just just be be careful whenever you're expecting the desert to be explicitly the desert. Yeah, and not cold, freezing yeah. cold. When you climb. There's a chance of snow. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember, though. So we climbed Baden-Powell. And then we, we, the next day, we didn't get up early, I think. I think was, we were tired. It was cold. It was, Even it was little Jimmy was under snow. It was so. under snow. So we were camping on snow. And we were really cold. So we didn't get up super early. Optimus had rolled in after dark. Yes, he Because he had gotten lost for miles. He got lost. Of course yeah, he did. Yeah. And the next morning, we're going to be climbing another mountain called Mount Williamson. And I really wanted to get up and over it. But I don't remember before the heat of the day hit because it gets so fucking hot out there, too. It's like freezing. And then it's 95 <clears throat> degrees, sun exposure, no shade. And I was struggling pretty bad with salt deficiencies like out there. Sugar and salt deficiencies. I was having a hard, hard time. And I would, to the point where sometimes I'd just sit on trail and give up, staring at the sky, hoping that I'll come back to life. Like, I have no energy left. And so I was really nervous about getting up to Mount Williamson when the sun was at its worst. Before you even hit the climb, there's this beautiful pit privy there that, um, you know, it's just hanging out. We go pit privy at a parking lot. There are little picnic tables. It's a little cute spot. I was gonna say, do you want to define what that is? Because not everyone is. Oh, a pit privy. A pit privy is a hole dug in the ground with a little roofed shelter built on top of it with a toilet so you can sit down like a modern age human. Like a mo- Western modern aged human. Western modern aged human. You yes. take a poop sitting on porcelain or plastic. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So beautiful pit privy. And on the trail, we did not have the luxury of having pit privies a lot, we would poop in the woods and, you know, dig a hole. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get there and Achilles and Anna are there. Yeah. And they they would always pop up because they would get rides into places that they didn't, want, they didn't want to hike to. And they're Irish. So they're this Irish couple just having a good old time. They're having a, a great holiday. A great holiday. Oh, my God. They're so fucking funny. Yeah. They're truly, they're like a, like a British comedy show. 
Like, that's mm-hmm. how I just paint them in my head is like, that's how they are. Mm-hmm. They're just so funny. And they said funny things all the time, both of them. They did. Yeah. But so they continue on their way. I think they actually do the climb. Or, or were they getting a ride out? I don't know. Either way. I don't remember. I'm like, oh, this is a great opportunity to take a poop. Like, there's nice pit privies or pit tables. They're in the shade. We can sit down, have a snack, poop, lighten our load, and then we can go and just enjoy this climb as much as we possibly can. And she strips all of the enjoyment away from my poop. He goes, he's like, um, babe, I got I gotta poop. And I was like, well, just don't, don't be long. <laughs> That's like a man's joy. And well, and I was like, we got to get up this climb before the sun gets hot. Like, don't take too long. And I was, so, I had such an attitude and clearly I had resentment at that point in certain areas. And so I'm like, Anyway, I was it was horrible. I I I look back now and I'm so sorry. <laughs> that would have been a wonderful moment to enjoy. I might have blocked it out because I don't even remember if I pooped. I think you I did, did poop. Yeah, you did, but you were like, really? But I made haste. You were like, really, really? That's what you're gonna say right now? Yeah, I'm I'm glad that I stood up for myself. I'm glad moment. you did too because I was being a bully. You needed to step down a little bit. Yeah, I yeah. was being mean. Yeah, I was, I was scared. But no, I, it I came out it. in a very controlling way. And that yeah. was controlling, I admit it. <laughs> but I got my poop out and we did climb. We did. And it was we a did. good climb. And you talked to me through the climb about how upset you were at me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was this day that we took a, a naughty route. Okay, we didn't realize. PCT. We didn't realize it was illegal. We missed the sign that said that stretch of trail was closed. Because of the horny toads. We, we missed that sign. So there's horny toads. Well, we're going to need to explain that further. <laughs> and people can judge us for this. We just didn't see it. We, we just didn't We regret know. taking this path. But so this stretch of trail in particular was closed for horny toad mating. And, and we wanted, we took it because we thought there was no water on the road. Like everyone was taking the road. And we were like, well. There was a we road need, detour. Yeah. There was a road detour. And we were like, well, we really need water. And so the trail actually goes through this closed section that we didn't know was closed. And there are water sources down there. And we did regret taking that path. but We did because there was no path. And so we're just on rock slides. Yeah, rock slides. we don't and, fall and pretty off. loose sand. Very loose sand. We had no clue where we were. Mm-hmm. We had to pull out our map the whole time. So we apologize for whatever wilderness or forest that is. We didn't mean to do that. Yeah, we but, must have disturbed the horny toads pretty bad. Yeah, and it was stretchy because it was. Did you see the toads? Or no, never saw them, never heard them. Mm-mm. But we did finally get off at the little strip. It was, it was like, what, like four or five miles? Day 34. All I really have to say not a lot. Bless. That's all. But that's beautiful. Down and out. Yeti legs. Base camp. You look like a tired base camp today. Bless. Because then it reconnected with where the road dumps everyone yeah. else off. Well, yeah, and, and like four or five miles or six or seven, I don't remember, but it took us longer to do that than anything else because mm. there was no trail. Yeah, and so then we reconnected. We did and found out there was water on the road walk. Yeah, so we got off of the illegal path, we reconnected, and um, we hiked a little bit with Azul, and she wasn't named Azul at this time, her name was Renee, Renee Aldrich. 
Yeah, which this was our, our first time ever meeting her. On, well, no, I'm sorry. Second time. We met her. In the Jacintos. In the Jacintos in town. In Ina Wild. In Ina Wild, um, which was a couple weeks before. Mm-hmm. And she had, um, she had come back down from the trail because that area was really sketchy with the snow. And there were like these drop-off peaks that you, um, you have to like hike on these drop-off peaks in the snow and ice. And yeah. so you have to have micro spikes. You have to have some sort of equipment. But she had come off of the trail to like hike with someone because she was by herself out there. And uh, we ran into her in Idlewild. And we remember her from there, but we only had a brief exchange with her. Mm-hmm. And then we run into her again. Out here in the middle of BF nowhere. In the middle of nowhere. And she's such a sweetheart. Renee, we actually hiked with her on and off until the end. We mm-hmm. ran into her the last day of the trail and she was hiking back out and we were hiking in. So it was just really special mm-hmm. to get to leapfrog with her most of the trail yeah um and so that was our first time to meet her we had actually we spoke with her a little bit we're like hey we're planning on camping here what about you she's like oh that sounds great because it was right by a little tiny trickle creek and so we she hiked on ahead and we were hiking slower i mean and I'll just say it's be- it's because you were just so affected by the heat. It just sucks the energy and the life out it of you. It did. I was so, yeah, it was just bad. I just, it, I hike slower mm-hmm. in that. And so you were kind of at a low. Yeah. But then we hit a dirt road and this like old blazer drives by. And it drives by us, sees us, and it turns around. And this guy gets out. And he was the guy that works at one of the local resorts near Wrightwood. And he's like, do you guys need anything? Oh, yeah. He's like, you need any water, any food? I'm like, we're good on all that, but what we really need is what we don't have, and that's beer. Beer. <laughs> beer. And he's like, oh, it just so happens I went to the store, and he had several several 24 packs of cores in the back of his trunk. So he gave us two cores apiece. And it we was g- epic. It was epic. And we didn't drink them there. We intended to take them down to the campsite where we were supposed to meet Azul or Renee. And uh, we were going to share some there. And just before we got there, we noticed there was, like, car debris all on the side of the trail. It was really weird, it yeah. It was really weird. It's a creepy area. Yeah. And we were getting closer and closer to the L.A. area, mm-hmm. up on the mountains, you know? Lots of stuff happens out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so we got to the campsite. Renee was there. A bunch of other folks showed up, Optimus Deuces, Decades. And come to find out, there was a pretty significant car crash that had happened right there. And that's why we were seeing the, the bits of vehicle is because people had, had crashed because that's a, a highway where people tend to speed. They do like the fast racing and it's like the zoomy roads mm-hmm. over there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, so we did have a really good, good time with everyone that night. Decades actually asked us a roundtable question. I thought it was a great question. If you lost your spoon or your spork in the middle of a through hike, what would you do? Like, how would you remedy? Would you, with your hands, would you make something? Would the trail provide? What would happen? What did we say? I would carve a spoon, is what I said. Because hmm. I'm just practical like that. I think I said I would use my cleaner thing and just use that. Your pot scraper. My pot scraper. Yeah. I have a pot scraper. Well, can I ask a question about that in terms of trail providing and about that guy with the beer? Mm-hmm. Is that guy with the beer, would that be a description of the trail providing or would that be like a trail angel? Yeah, I would say both. I would say um, the guy with the beer is both the trail providing through a trail angel via trail magic. 
So a trail angel is someone who administers trail magic. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the trail can provide, like, if you lost your spoon, you just you happen upon a plastic spoon in the middle of nowhere, that's the trail providing, too. Yeah. Um, I'm always going to ask post-integration questions because that's who I am. But yeah. how have you seen, like, the trail magic, the provision of the trail, how has that continued to impact your, like, flow into your life and your, like, daily thinking? Because I know you guys are both generous people and, like, you're, you give back when you can, but how was that impactful for you along the way being provided for in so many beautiful, unexpected ways? Hmm. I think, like, out on the trail, like, you're all hiking your own hike, but you're kind of a, a tight-knit family. And when you come back to the real, the cotton world, it's a fucking doggy dog world. Mm-hmm. And you yeah, come across generosity far less here than you do out there, even though you have way more exposure and possibility to kindness and generosity here. So I don't know. I guess for me, I've been trying to focus just on getting my life sorted. So I haven't been able to give as much as I probably wish that I could. But I think that I also don't expect it like I did on the trail because you rely on a lot of people's kindness and generosity for for rides or you hope for trail magic. And by when I say that, I mean like, a trailhead or a parking lot when someone's got beers and food that they're just dishing out. So I, I learned to be more sufficient on the trail and I carry that back here because you just can't expect people to help you out. Mm-hmm. Where I feel like on the trail, a lot of people do. And sometimes that that kind of leads to an air of superiority or like, mm-hmm. what's, what's the, the phrase I'm looking for? Entitlement. Entitlement, that's what I'm looking for. Because mm-hmm. some, some hikers can be titled. Or in, entitled. Titled. They can be entitled. <laughs> and I don't know. It's, it's just kind of a weird blend of, of things because it's two completely different lives. Mm-hmm. You know, the trail, I guess we like to liken it as, as the real life, and this is the, the fake life, the cotton world. And you can't bring everything from the trail back into this yeah. because it just doesn't fit. Yeah. yeah. It does, Yeah, we, we created a culture here. It doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it won't fit. And the, the only place it'll fit is on like during the hiking season when we're out administering trail magic to people or talking to other hikers. That's when it works. It's like since we live so close to the CDTCT, then it becomes like, a oh, when can we do trail magic? And when can we just randomly go and buy beer from Costco and brats and burgers mm-hmm. and just cook a ton of stuff for hikers because we know what they want. We know mm-hmm. what they're craving and just give away to them like we were given to. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's not altruistic. Like there's, to me, there is no selfless act. Like every act that happens, there's some personal motive behind it. So for us to give trail magic, yeah, we definitely want to be a part and give back where we were given. But we also, at least for me, I want to experience another small taste of the hiker life mm-hmm. just by talking to the people who are actually doing it whenever we can. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you you said something very interesting that I was like, oh, wow, I haven't thought about it until you said it. But it's the that on trail, people really do look out for each other and you become a family, you become a family. And you're out there, you know, bonding. What's it called when you bond and stress and trauma like how military people bond yeah, like trauma bond trauma bonding i'm sure there's a a better word for it there's a professional name for yeah, it yeah that's why i'm asking i'm like do you know megan but we, but i feel like we i've heard trauma bond used in two different forms 
And so that's where I just wanted to be clear because sometimes trauma bonding is spoken differently with like unhealthy relationships mm. um, versus, yeah, when you, like you said, war buddies, lots a traumatic or a deep emotive experience can bond you together deeply. Okay, so it's not trauma bonding then. Hmm. Okay, so we'll nix that word. It's some it's some sort of bonding experience. You're bonding through hardships and hard times. Yeah. And, and, tra- and what could possibly be traumatic events. Yeah, and I think though that we all did look out for each other and we did not expect people to give us stuff on the trail was a thing. Like we even, di- we didn't. We did not expect it. We tried to be as self-sufficient as possible. We tried to book our own hotels. We would try to we didn't ask trail angels for places to stay. Um, we didn't we would try to hitchhike. We would try to give people money when we hitchhiked, like $5 or 10 just to take us into town. They didn't expect it, you know, but they were so happy when we did. Um, we just wanted to represent the trail well. Mm-hmm. And um, so Hitchhiker is a good name. Yeah, to give a good re- reputation. Um, and But I, you said when something interesting when we got back, it's like this dog-eat-dog world. Mm-hmm. And it is. It's like you have to compete. And, and I wonder if this too, some of the hikers that gave hikers a bad name for the ones that call, you know, the Montezuma shop around mile 100 and, and ask don't for show a ride up. and they yeah. just don't show up and they ghost these people who are going out of their way to pick them up and like offer them shelter or take them to a place to get food. I wonder if that sense of entitlement is like associated with a certain type of person who is out to hike a trail. Like, mm. like maybe they're not out there for the experience. They're out there for the exposure. And when I say exposure, I mean exposure to like social media, the pictures, the videos, mm, like yeah, getting the, the likes and the followers, the crowd. I wonder if that's a, if there's a certain type of person that, that does that. And it's unfortunate because it gives all the hikers a bad name. Yeah, we, we experienced something on trail that was pretty nasty. It was icky. And it was just that um, some some hikers – were calling people for rides like trail angels and they would show up and they wouldn't be there the hikers wouldn't they would either get a ride in and hitch in Mm -hmm. beforehand because they already like found someone earlier yeah or they would just keep hiking and they wouldn't tell these trail angels this and they're they might be driving 30 miles out of their way or 40 miles out of the way to come and pick up a hiker Mm -hmm. and um and i don't know if it's happened every year or if just in our year it was bad, but like people would leave places dirty and filthy and trashy. Like they wouldn't clean up after themselves. They would leave wrappers and, and wouldn't pick up their trash and put it in the dumpster. Like it, it just seemed like our year we were reading on Facebook how sad some, some establishments were like closing down because of how hikers weren't thinking like about other people. Mm-hmm. And we were just really sad about that because we were like, y'all. These people mm-hmm. are going out of their way to help. Yeah. And everything they're doing is a gift. And so the least you can do is respect them and mm-hmm. treat them like a human being instead of like, oh, I'm out here hiking and you should be picking me up because I'm a through hiker. <laughs> no, fucker. You should be walking everywhere, but you get rise in town because people are kind. Yes. Anyway, yeah. it's a little it's a little pet peeve we had from the trail that we learned is like people shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, and I do want to say that the people we hiked with, no one did that. No one had that like entitlement about them. But we did hear about it a lot. And we would read comments and far out, hear it through the, the hiker grapevine. 
but we were fortunate enough to surround ourselves with just good people. Yeah, we did. We did. Mm-hmm. And all of our people were continuous footpath people. So <laughs> Fuck yeah. We didn't have any skippers. Early March starters. Or flippers in our group. Yeah. Yeah. Hashtag early March starters. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't start in May. It is so fucking hot by that point, unless you want to hike in the heat or at least hike at night. But then you're going to you're gonna be fighting the fires at that point in NorCal, Oregon, Washington. You're fighting so many things at that point later. Can I ask a question about the hiking at night? Are there... I didn't... I know you guys would get up at three and four in the morning, but are people hiking through the night as well? Sometimes. And what... I feel like there's even more dangers involved in that than hiking i guess it would be just be different because in the daytime it's hydration and those elements but in my mind it's like animals and unknowns and uncertainties what does hiking at night bring to the table quiet lots of quiet <laughs> yeah. yeah actually hiking at night we did it once i think but no twice but i liked it mm-hmm. i mean you're you're kind of blanketed by the darkness except for the little 10 feet that your headlamp can illuminate and you're just walking that path you can't see the climbs that you're about to do you can't see stuff around you yeah but i mean it's, it's kind of cozy to be honest with you i preferred it because if i don't if i can't see the mountain in front of me that i'm about to climb i don't get freaked out i'm just taking one step and one step and one step and it's one thing after another versus like oh my god i've got 10 more miles of that and so I found a huge principle in that for me that I prefer it. And also you can't see the animals. You can't hear them. Like, I mean, we would see deer from time to time in the dark. Um, but also they leave you alone. Like they just may, may be looking at you to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. But, but for the most part, they don't care. And so I feel like sometimes hiking at night was better than being in a tent because then you, animals can come around the tent mm-hmm. and you're, you're already exposed in that situation versus hiking, you're moving. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of people do hike in the desert at night be, and they flip their days. So they'll sleep during the day because it's so hot. Mm-hmm. And then they'll just hike at night because it's so cool. Mm-hmm. I will say that I I would have to disagree about the May starters because I, I like that the hikers are tapered out throughout several months. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they would trash and max out infrastructures that's true trail so i i mean the pcta did that for a reason no i know and that's a good point but i think if i were looking for a permit may would not be the time i'd want to start because a lot of people no yeah but a lot of people don't want to start in early march that's the thing people get freaked out because they're like there's too much snow in the sierras and i would rather go through the snow issues than to deal with all the heat Mm -hmm. and the exposure of the sun and the and the fires at that point yeah those those May starters, they're how they're having a whole ass. I mean, they're having to do like twenty five miles starting from the get go, wow. and we were doing like fifteens, cute little eighteen. It was so cute, yeah. We yeah. were just getting our bodies good and going. Mm-hmm. But yeah, cute. yeah, yeah. Is there anything else from this week? Yeah, that we, we didn't have, touch on. We have one more day. Okay, what was our day? Uh, we'll see. I wanted to we'll read see. it because I don't remember. Oh, we I, have our oh, we have our like. For those of you who, can, I mean, clearly you can't see this, but we have our notes. Wesley has taken notes mm-hmm. of every day. It's so cute. Notes and mileage. <laughs> one one thing I wanted to wrap up on on that the last day we were talking about. So we're we're at camp. It's great. There was oh, a car yeah, crash right. up on the road. Um, it happened a, a while back. I don't know how long. Yeah. Decades tells a great story. Asks a good question about spoons. But that night, around two or three a.m. in the morning, 
Base Camp and I, I don't know if anyone else was as well, but Base Camp and I were woken up by like this shrieking, like slamming Car. on brakes, like something's about to crash down. Yeah. And Azul the, heard it too, I think. Did she? Yeah. But nothing ever crashed. It was just the sound. Nothing ever crashed, but it sounded what? like the sound of a crash. But it woke us up. Yeah. What well, was it? I have no idea. I mean, it could have been a car racing around the the because these are super curvy, curvy roads. I was like, is this is this the spirit of the crash reliving it? Could have been a ghost. Yeah. Like, are we hearing this again? It was so creepy, and it creeped me out. And like, I remember we both woke up. But we were going to get up anyway early that day. We started hiking by 4 a.m. 4 a.m. We started hiking. So it was pitch black anyways. Yeah, and so we, we just heard this like crazy thing. So I think we just got up after that and started like our breakfast and our coffee after it. It was mm-hmm. like 2 something in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, we did get up and leave and we hit the 400 mile marker. We hit 400. It was a big deal. Yay. I know. Such a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, this day was a bunch of FFTs too. Dude, FFTs. And if you don't know what FFT is, it's fucking first times. Yeah. That's what it stands for. Thank we you, hit, Brene Brown. We hit our first 400 and only 400 mile marker there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> this was also our first 30 mile plus day of hiking. Yeah. Which is huge. We didn't mean, it wasn't like we set out our intentions to say, we're going to do a 30 mile day. It just happened. It just happened. It happened because we were actually only going to do like a 20 mile day that day. Mm -hmm. And we were feeling great. We were making good miles. Um, It was, it felt like a good day. We were both feeling good that day. And then we get to this fire station. Which is right by like Pacifico Mountain. Yeah. Pacifico Mountain. And we were going to get water there. Well, lo and behold, trail magic. There was trail magic. There, it was written on a piece of cardboard, taped to a traffic cone. Trail magic this way, and they had the hookup: uh-huh. burgers, hot dogs, potatoes, potato chips. I mean, they had salad even. Like they had yes. beer, water, Gatorade, first aid equipment, like the ibuprofen, whole thing. Ibuprofen. Like yeah. they had everything your heart could desire like potato salad i mean they just had all this goodies i mean Mm -hmm. so many goodies they were so sweet and this is around mile let's see about 415 on that's around 415 i think i thought we had already done 20 miles that day and we were talking about finding a place to camp soon that day remember because we ended up doing 11 more I don't. I don't have the exact mileage. So I'm pretty I sure it was around out. 20. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it, because we were like, oh, we're probably going to camp soon for the day because we've done so many miles already, mm-hmm. and we were looking, and there were no good campsites except for like three miles from there or Messenger Flats. And so we decided to go to Messenger Flats, which was 11 more. Which is 11, and we decided to do that with a few other folks that we met at the Trail Magic Station. Oh, because they were all going to do it, but they hadn't done a long day like we had. Yeah. They had only done like 10 miles that day. So to them, it would have been like a 20-mile day. Yeah. yeah, so this was, what, Mach 5, Cherub, Magnet. And Robbie. Robbie. Was there anyone else? Azul was there. Optimus, too, came in. Mm-hmm. Um, but they didn't end up camping with us to Messenger. It that's, was just... that's right. Oh, and the other crush was there. Oh, yeah. Their mm-hmm. guy crush. Yeah, their yeah. guy crush. 
So this was a group of people that we met at Little Jimmy Campground area. So they kind of came into the picture of our hiking then. Mm. And they were a group of people that had been hiking together since the beginning. Tramley, yeah. A Tramley. Mm. And they were cool. They were cool peeps mm-hmm. um, that we bonded with in the Sierras because we all went through together. But, so they hiked on ahead and base camp chugged the Coke. I chugged a Coca-Cola because I was like, I'm going to fucking crush this because we got 11 more miles and we've done 20. Because mm-hmm. that's why I knew it had to have been it was something like that. Anyway, so yes, I chug a Coke. You say anyway, just like your mom. Shh. I've been noticing it today. No. <laughs> anyway. Apparently it's a Bosworth You don't trait. drag it out like she does. She does. Yeah. Yeah. Now I, Okay. I didn't mean to make you subconscious. Transition. Anymore, <laughs> um, that's how we transition. Yeah. Um, so I chugged a Coke. And then we're powering through the next 11 miles. Several thousand feet of gain. Well, hang on before all that. The rattlesnake. Wait, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> I didn't want to say what it was yet. But, okay. So we are on this one very specific ledge. It's, the, the trail is narrow. It's basically the trail wedged between a sheer drop-off covered in shrubs and a steep uh, like cliff to our left. And we're going fast. We're going fast because we're trying to book it before it gets too dark. Too dark. And also, I just chugged a Coca-Cola. So I have like, all this sugar in my body. And so I am actually going very fast. But we do not have headphones. But we don't have in. headphones in. This is really crucial. And I think anyone who's in the desert hiking, you probably shouldn't wear headphones because of the rattlesnakes. Mm-hmm. But we're charging up this mountain. And next thing I know, we come around this curve and I hear the rattle. It's still rattling, isn't it? Yeah. And mm. it's it's within where Loba is. Like this is how close it is. It's like three, four feet away. Three or four feet away. And I hear it and then I'm like, where is it? And I look and it's right beside the trail under like this little shrub. And it's got fangs out. And I am freaking out. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And so I run. I, like, dart behind Wesley. <laughs> Makes sense, right? Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Save me. Survival at its best. Yeah. See? Alpha. But but for real, she jumped <laughs> behind me. And I, like, just stood there for a second while everything was coming into actualization of what was happening. Like, oh, there's a, there's a freaking rattlesnake right there. And it just scooted downhill, probably another two or three feet. Really wanted nothing to do with us. But probably, you also talked calmly to it. Yeah, it had probably been pissed off by all the other hikers ahead of us. And it was like, I'm sick of this. I'm going <laughs> to take out for my territory. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it went downhill a little bit. I was just like, hey, buddy, we just really want to just get by. We're not here to bother you. Just go about your own business. Just speaking to it. I speak to a lot of animals on the trail. He does. Yeah. Especially the ones that seem agitated. Yeah. And it always works. I was gonna yeah. say, yeah. What is what happens? Are you known as the animal whisperer on trail? I don't he know. should be. I don't know about that, but it does tend to work. Okay. Like rattlesnake, goshawk, bear. The goshawk mama. Yeah. Yeah. That tried to attack people. Yeah. Did that mean that you were eaten less by mosquitoes on the trail? <gasps> Wait. Yes. He was not as attacked by mosquitoes as I was. Not as attacked. Well, it's probably because you were faster. Yeah. He just, he was faster. They didn't have to, they didn't chase him. Like they chased me. Yeah. I was going to say though that, damn it, I forgot. I lost my train of thought because we were talking about the rattlesnake. Mm-hmm. And then you. I went up on the little, like, 
the little like hillside a little bit. I had to climb up and around the area mm-hmm. just because they can they can like jump. jump. They can jump. Literally jump. Well, maybe jump isn't the right word, but they can like project themselves mm-hmm. in an attacking fashion. Yeah. Oh, this is what I was going to say is we found out. So Azul actually is a, what's a snake biologist? Herpetologist. She's a herpetologist. And she told us that rattlesnakes do not want to bite you. Which this was really helpful to hear because now from this point forward hiking, I'm I'm very aware of this. A rattlesnake doesn't want to bite you because if it does, it it'll die. Because it what is what did she say? So it won't die. So oh, I thought it would die. If a rattlesnake bites you, it's more prone to lose its fangs, which could it, which it, could kill it. If it loses its fangs, it loses its defense. Survival. Right. So it doesn't want to do so it. So it doesn't want to do it. That's like a last ditch effort survival. It's literally a last effort. So oh, yeah. so people remember that. Keep that in mind. If you hear a rattlesnake, I mean, of course, be conscientious of where you're at. Look for it. Don't go after it. If you've got a dog, don't let the dog go after it. But the rattle is more for a defense of like, I am close. I am here. Don't fuck with me. Mm. And it's not trying to bite you. I mean, that's most of nature. Most of nature doesn't want to mess with us. Mm-hmm. It wants to just go about its business and eat the things that are smaller than it or that grow out of the ground. <laughs> just do it. That's slide. pretty much nature. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, we, we hiked through that section. I was pretty shaken up. All the snakes always popped out. When, for her, for yeah. me, he would never see them. I'd be like, snake! Like, there would always be a snake somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, anyway. So then we hike, hike, hike. We're hiking. And then we're starting to lose steam because mm-hmm. it's getting later in the day. We now only have, like, three or four miles, right? Yeah, we've like, three or four miles. One last huge climb. The sun is setting. Robbie, Mach 5, and Chair were, like, right in front of us. And we're, like, delusional, starting to hallucinate. Probably, I feel like. They're probably a quarter mile ahead of us. And then it's... Pitch black before we know it. All we can see is the LA lights like way off in the distance. And we have our headlamps on. And um, I mean, we're just hiking and we get to the top of the climb and something very interesting happened while we're just chugging along and Robbie and his group are like going up the mountain. We can see their headlamps. Yeah. On the switchbacks, like ahead of us. Mm -hmm. And towards the top, you can hear them hooting and hollering and yelling out. And I'm like, oh, are they yelling at us? They're like, like, are they cheering us on because they know we've done a 30-mile day? No, we'll come to find out there was a puma growling at them. Oh, my gosh. From the shrubs. And so they were just making all the noise that they can to try to scare us. And we had no idea because we're just so delusional by that point. We're just like do-to-doing. We have no clue what's going on. Can I ask about delusion on the trail? Like, Because you guys have mentioned a couple of times today. Like, When you're delusional on the trail, what does that feel like, sound like? And, like, how do you continue to move through? Oh, that's a good question. So it feels, looks, and sounds like autopilot. Like, your brain is, like, it's saving everything your body's got and all the blood sugar that you've got for, like, a worst-case scenario, and you're just walking. It also kind of feels like you're buzzed. Kind of, but it's not a good buzz. It's like a – it's like you're – you want to just stop and stare at the sky feeling. Yeah. Um, and you're, you, like, I would think I would see animals that were trees and stumps and shrubs, but they were just that. Mm -hmm. Like one time I thought I saw a turtle and I started talking to the turtle, but it was a rock. Like your brain just starts playing tricks on you. Mr. Turtle. Hi, Mr. Turtle. (laughs) Like, babe, that's a rock. You're not a turtle. (laughs) You're a rock. (laughs) Was there ever a time where you were both delusional and like one wasn't in their right mind? 
I feel like usually whenever one of us is completely out of their mind, the other one it's steps pretty sane. Up. Okay. Yeah. Or steps up. Well, I was going to say steps up. Yeah. Because whenever I have just like really bad days, you would always be a little bit more alert than me. That's vice true. Versa. Yeah, that's true. We always seem to switch on and off. It was funny. But there was one, I feel like there was one time, maybe it was this time, where we both crashed. Uh, I mean, it could have been. We crashed pretty hard. We crashed hard. I mean, it was 30 plus miles. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we yeah. ended up doing 31 that day or... Uh, 31.01. But, but I will say this. <laughs> we, we never experienced the Puma. We didn't even know it was there until we had already gotten to camp that night. And they're like, did you see the Puma? No. But what did happen oh, no. is at the top of the climb. It's horrible. There's like a, a 0.1, 0.2-mile stretch of relatively flat area before you start going downhill. And I don't know how she did this, but base camp steps on a limb, a limb of a tree. Very few trees out here. Mm-hmm. She steps on the limb, and one of the, the smaller branches oh, no. breaks off into her shoe. Into my shoe, and I can't get it out. So and now it's poking into my foot. It pokes through the sole of her oh, shoe. Like it's a pointy, pointy limb. Like, we can't get it out. It's and like, we can't get it out. It's rammed in there. And we're so close to the end. Like, we're half a mile from the campground. So I'm like, fuck this. I'm going to put my croc on. Because, because like I'm just so done. I'm so over it. So she's wearing one crock and one trail runner. One crock, one crock and one shoe. And so we start to go downhill. And then. And I want to say they're like, I don't know if it's an acacia tree, but it has large thorns. So it's got like a three-inch thorn on it. And so she steps on one of these limbs with these thorn things for a second time with her crock. And it goes through the sole of the crop. And we can't get it out. And so what am I doing? And it's in the same exact spot. The same spot. And so I'm just limping down the trail. For a mile. For, yeah, a mile or half a mile. Just like, dear God, get me into that damn campground, please. Oh, my God. And we get in there pretty late. I mean, we got in there about nine. Yeah, but people are still up sitting at picnic tables. People are sitting at picnic tables. And then we run into, not guess guess who we run into. Kelly's and Anna. Like, where the hell have y'all been? How did yeah. you even get here? They're like, base yeah. camp? Yeti legs? <laughs> and we're like, what the fuck? How'd they get there? Yeah, that's what we want to know. <laughs> oh. I swear they would just show up on trail and disappear. Mm. But um, trail anyway. spirits. Yeah. And so we pitched our tent, you know, that night. And it just felt so good. Because think about it. We started hiking at 4 a.m. Mm. And we finished hiking around probably 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. It's found, a long fucking day. We found a campsite. It was so aggravating to me. He though, hated it. I hate how people do this, but there was broken glass all over the place. What? Broken glass. Um, what? You know, people go and they, they get beer bottles and they feel uh, like it's their right to break the beer bottles in the campground yeah. because someone else can fucking clean it up. But that shit will, it will cut you. You can get an infection. Yeah. It'll rip through your tent. Yeah. So he was like trying so hard. He was just like brushing as much as he could out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um for us to camp and i was just like i just want to go to bed <laughs> and we did we crashed hard megan we crashed so hard i, I could i don't even i was limping to the bathroom well that's my question like did you guys get any extra sleep or did you just wake up the next day like all right kicking our ass again here we go i am trying to think i think we woke up around the same time but it definitely was a painful wake up it was like one of those whoa, yeah. like oh man we need an extra cup of coffee right now yeah, it was one of those days, but we also had um, kind of incentive for the next day because we were getting into 
another like stop on the trail is the um, acting KOA. The acting KOA. So we knew we were going to get food and we had a hiker box coming in that yeah. Amber had sent us. So that, that takes us into the next week. Do you want to stop here or keep going? I think we should stop here and any questions Megan has, because she had such good questions that I feel like our listeners would appreciate mm-hmm. when it comes to integrating back from trail life to post life. So I, I know that we were talking about going through two weeks in this episode. Sorry, you guys. It's taking way too long. You know, we just have so much to say. We we had a lot of great questions from Megan. We got sidetracked a little bit. so. And also we took shrooms. so We have no regrets. Yeah. None. No regrets. None. So this was our week five. Week five of the PCT 2022. Um, we're going to wrap up the meat of the episode, but we still have our question of the day and a really nice um little email that we wanted to read from one of our listeners yes okay so what is your oh you have a question oh i have a question you can edit it in however you want but i don't have a question i have a comment i have a comment as someone that saw you guys do the trail and was able to pick you up week six and really just see the perseverance that you guys had like it really the impact that you had because we had dinner with a family when you were visiting me in Pasadena mm-hmm. and they still year and a half, I don't know how long you guys have been off trail, but they still now talk about it and how you guys have impacted of like your perseverance, your joy, who you guys are made that impact along the way. And I think you're probably trail buddies would say the same thing of um, just how impactful that you can be. Um, to the people that you meet. But also I think for through hikers, it's such a unique culture and community that I really believe should have more exposure to other people because again, it it shows human resilience. It shows adaptation. It shows value for nature. And you guys taught mm. respect for nature, even in like an hour with people that had never met you before. And so I just think it's a really beautiful educational aspect too to being through hikers of sharing your story well thank you thanks Mm -hmm. that felt very warm and fuzzy inside oh i can't believe they still talk about us yeah that's so crazy yeah Yeah. and they still like the story that you the story that you had said i made a comment when i first saw you guys too but when you when i picked you up on trail how you could smell me when i wasn't even out of the car and i don't even use fragrant things everything i use is all natural i have like lavender essential oil is the most thing that i use that's probably yeah and so they still comment on that (laughs) and about what they learned from you just in your experience I love that. Yeah, it's yeah. true, like, how you smell things that you would... Because we just smell so dirty and smelly that when we smell things like lavender, mm-hmm. it's, like, very prominent. Mm-hmm. Or, or detergent. Or detergent, or even, like, dove soap. Dove soap, People yeah. have washed their hands. We could smell it if we've been out there for a while. Did you have any any questions, like a, a wrap-up wrap up question? Jinx. I think, I think we would love... Too. I think we would love to do another, like, session... Yeah. With, with more deeper, insightful questions, like what you've already been asking. Yeah. And I would love, uh, actually, to our listeners, um, if you have any questions for Megan specifically, like of anything that she knows that could help you, whether it's reintegrating back in from trail into this post-life that she may be able to respond to in question format from us, please send us some questions um, to our email, Yeti Walks Into Basecamp. And we can put those together and we can have a conversation about it as well from a therapy point of view. 
Because I would also be curious, again, this is a brand new culture and community to me. I would assume that some people may have a traumatic experience along the trail. It's not always a safe experience. You guys had one another and you had safety in a unique way. Being a single hiker, I just would be curious what their healing looks like and recovery afterwards in that mental emotional aspect. So that's something that, again, I don't know. I, I can imagine just because we're humans and I, I know humanity in the world that everyone's not going to have a beautiful experience. And so I'd be curious what that looked like for them as well. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you, Megan, for, for all these good comments and questions. Yeah, thank you. If, if, if any of our listeners do have a question, just make sure it's um, hiking related. <laughs> yeah. If you want an actual session with Megan, <laughs> yeah. we can make that happen or set you up if she would like that. So yeah. we can be that middleman if, if that is something she is interested in. <laughs> yeah. So if you got any questions that are hiking related and hiking therapy related, hiking therapy related, we'll catalog those and have them addressed whenever we have Megan back good, on here. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Um, we do have someone though that did ask us a question of sorts. Well, actually, we do have a question from one of our listeners yeah. and a good comment. Let's see. So this is from a an Instagram message from Kevin. Kevin says, we are sort of new backpackers. And one thing that is hard for us is when we get into camp and it's crowded. It's hard to know what's too close to another tent site. We just don't know the unwritten rules about picking a campsite. Well, I would say, Kevin, for this one, there are no written rules. And... <laughs> There are, are that there are probably not even unwritten, unspoken rules. I feel like there are unspoken rules, though. I'm sure there's some etiquette, but I mean, like you don't camp too close to someone's tent. Like, I, I mean, if someone pitched right beside our tent, I would have been pissed. Ten feet, five feet. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know of a measure, but I will tell you what I have done. Whenever I've gotten in, or we've gotten in late to a campsite, I know I specifically did this on the CT. I just asked, hey, is it okay if I pitch right here? If they say no, fine. They've claimed it first, so I'll go somewhere else. I mean, if you're getting to a campsite and there are 15 other tents, I think it's going to be loud no matter what you do. So pitch your tent within a reasonable distance to where if you have to make dinner, you're not going to keep people awake or when you're pitching your tent. But I mean, I, I think we're all out there to to survive and get a good night's rest. So just use your own best judgment. There's no... No unspoken, unwritten etiquette for that, I don't believe. Technically, no. There's not. Like, everybody just pitches their tents, and they just... Some people have to deal with it. And, mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes, like, we had to pitch our tent in a ditch one time. And sometimes you have to find... <laughs> you got to get creative and find another way, because there may not be enough room, per se, for you. Or another time, we um, we were desperate, and we looked up and down like what a whole mile could not for find about a, an hour. We tried to find a campsite. An hour, so mm-hmm. like two miles at least, or three could not find a campsite. We go back to a campsite where there's like seven other tents, and it didn't even look like there might be a spot for us. But we were just so tired, and we we're like, it's the end of the day. We've got to find something. And they were kind enough to make room for us. And so yeah, I think the thanks, best thanks power plant. Thanks power plant. I think the best etiquette is just ask. I mean, we mm-hmm. asked then because we could tell, okay, it's pretty full. I mean, most people are winding down for the night. They've already eaten their dinner and we haven't. And yeah. we, we went down there and we we're like, hey, do you guys mind if we, you know, pitch our tent here? And they made room for us. And so, yeah, I think asking is the best policy. It's situational, but golden rule policy, doing to others. Yeah. But also at the same time, if you're coming in late to camp, 
and it's like nine o'clock or nine thirty, and people are already asleep. Just pitch your tent. Who fucking cares? Mm-hmm. They're not gonna know, or they might hear you. And oh well, that's what you do in through hiking. Maybe just don't cook your dinner that night. Eat a cold meal. No, I, <laughs> I cook I did my dinner. That. Whatever. It takes so much longer, and it's so much louder. I know, but still, like, I mean, I feel like that's the rule of thumb of through hiking is. Well, you know what? You're going to have people just camp beside you and you just got to deal with it. Bring, you know, if you can't sleep well, then bring the ear earplugs. Maybe I'm just too nice. I think you're too nice. I would have cooked my dinner. I ate cold dinner then. Yeah, because I may, I may not know who any of those people were. You're right. You're right. At the end of the day, everyone <laughs> just wants a good night's rest so they can hike again the next day. Right. Yeah. And when, when you're with your family, especially, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. They'll save you a tent spot. If you're running behind and you can cook with them and they don't care. But But. now, Kevin, just know that I'm going to do a deep dive and try and figure this out. If there's like some Reddit in the deep, like deep dark webs. The Reddit etiquette of camping. on what people have been saying. So I'm really curious now. But to our knowledge now, we've done three hikes already. So I mean, you want to pick a flat spot. Sometimes we've had to create a spot. And just out of bush, the brush, we had to just like... Kick stuff out of the Kick way. Kick stuff out of the way and make a spot. But don't tear down living plants. Leave no trace policies, people. Yeah, leave no trace. Yeah. Yeah. Hope that helps. Yeah, hope that helps, Kevin. And uh, there will be a follow-up whenever I look up more information about this. <laughs> because now I'm curious, too. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that we wanted to read, this is from an email that we got. One of the few folks who have utilized our podcast email, which is Yeti walks into basecamp at gmail.com. I will, for the sake of privacy, not use any names, but this individual said, I am an avid listener of Backpack Radio and recently listened to, to you two on the most recent episode. It was fantastic. I looked up your own podcast and have been binge listening through episodes currently on number 12. Woo-hoo. I'm sure you're much higher or even finished by now. Probably be here. <laughs> I've never messaged a podcast or left a review before. But you two seem so down to earth, I felt I needed to drop you a line and let you know your story has impacted me. I live in southwest Washington and cannot claim the title of thru-hiker yet. I recently went through a heavy breakup after a four-year relationship, which has left me feeling very lost and without much hope for finding love. I heard your story on BPR, Backpacker Radio. It's given me hope in one day finding my person as well and sharing the amount of love for one another as you two do for each other. I'm at a point in my life where the daily routine in this quote-unquote cotton world is starting to grind at me. I need a change, and I'm feeling the itch for adventure. Your PCT chronicles are fueling that fire. Thank you for sharing your story with the world. It's much appreciated. That's so touching. I Thank you, by the way. I just want to say to this person, thanks for emailing us. It really means a lot to us. Mm-hmm. And it's like hearing that, I was like, this is why we're doing the podcast is because we really want to encourage people. Mm-hmm. And so thanks for sharing that with us and telling us what you're going through. I just, yeah, it meant the world to me when we read it. Yeah, it, it takes a lot of, of time and effort and energy to make and like edit and whatever an episode. And to do that for a long time without seeing any positivity, it can be or hard. Or just feedback or, or comments. Or feedback or anything, good or bad. <laughs> and so to get stuff like this, it, it really makes us want to keep making episodes and, and keep fighting the good fight for the thru-hiking community. Yeah, so thank you so much. And I just want to say to you, like, dude, you're fucking doing it already. You're going to keep doing it. And the fact that you're even saying that, you know, your daily routine is starting to grind at you, that's just like a teller that you need a change and you need a shift and you're itching for an adventure. And so go do it. Like, 
enjoy your life and who fucking cares about the rest like mm-hmm. like do it yeah don't let a job hold you back you Never. can find another one when you get done yeah 100 what would our um our in-house expert have to say about this i just love that they're noticing what they're experiencing after the breakup and that they're choosing something new and different and fueling and i just i think there is not an expert on that, but an expert on loving you two. I think that there is something really special in finding someone that shares like a joy and passion like you guys do for trail. And just, you guys have such a mutual respect for hiking, for the trail, for that community in the world. And I just, I love that she's, she or he, I don't know who they are, um, but that they've found you guys, that they found a safe place and that, yeah, they're choosing themselves. Because there is a, there really is a reinvention after a breakup of who you are and who you're becoming. And that if they can use hiking to continue to fuel that, I agree with you guys of like, go do the thing. Like we have one life, we have one experience. And so we can get in our heads and our nervous systems can say, Hey, like, I don't know if I can do it. And there's if you don't feel ready yet, then take the small steps to grow your comfort with your nervous system to show that it's safe, to show that you can do it. You can do it in a very concentrated way where you're slowly expanding. Um, that's the best way that you can help your nervous system move into it to feel safe and ready. But I also, that's like the trauma informed approach as the adventurer within myself. Also, when your heart says go, just listen to it. And if your heart doesn't feel ready yet, pay attention to that. Wise words. Sage advice. Sage. I think that's everything. I guess that wraps us up. Um, Everyone, I just want to say thank you so much for listening as always. Um, We would really love to hear from you, the listener, because this is why we're doing this. So please, please, please leave us a comment if you want on our, um, our comments. Please Instagram us, DM us. We've got Yeti Walks into Basecamp on Instagram now. Or you can email us at yetiwalksintobasecamp at gmail.com. But we want to hear from you. We want to hear if you've got any questions, if you have any thoughts, any comments. Yeah, we just, we love to hear from you guys. So thanks. Yep. And sometimes we don't like to always hear ourselves talk. So yeah, we like to hear what people have to say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, We have some cool stuff coming down the pipeline. Um, We sent out a few polls and we got some, some good hits on stuff that people would like more information on, especially for the, the upcoming class of hikers for 2024. And uh, we'll, we'll continue on with our PCT story and get to the part where we actually hung out with Megan on the PCT. Which is literally the next week, and we wanted to get to it, but I think this has been such a good episode, and you gave so many good questions, and we'll definitely have you back on to the podcast so that we can talk about um, just, I think, the transition between trail and then coming back post i think it would be really great to have you on and talk through that so be on the lookout for that um when that happens yeah thank you so much megan yeah thanks thank you i've loved being here with you and hearing more thank you so much and um yeah so thanks everyone for listening um kudos to the fire what's lost for letting us use his his song for our intro and our outro yeah and Um, we love the vibe and go check them out Um, Links to their stuff will be in our show notes. And yeah, as we like to say in in the hiking hiking community, community, happy happy trails. trails.